Improvised Movie Podcast. I'm Gavin. I'm Ian. And as per usual, we're going to be hitting you up with some movie news. Uh, not I'm probably going to go through the news a little fast today because we got a whole bunch of reviews for you guys. Because we've been away. Exactly right. That's my fault. Mm-hmm. It is. <laughs> fucking car wash. It is your fucking fault. <laughs> it is my. It's always my fault. Did you get your car wash in the end? Yes, I did get my car wash in the end. Then I parked. Uh, then I parked under a tree, and a whole bunch of fruit fell on it. Fruit. <laughs> yeah, it's like, fruit. I don't know. It's some kind of fruit. It falls down. It makes a. It looks. It looks like bird shit, but it's mm-hmm. not. Oh, but okay. just for good measure, a couple of birds did shit on my car at the same time as well. Oh, nice. That's right. Uh, but anyway, like I was saying, we got a bunch of reviews for you today. I'll be reviewing uh, "Get Him to the Greek" with Jonah Hill, Russell Brand. Uh, I'll be reviewing Piranha, not Piranha 3D. I wasn't fortunate enough to catch it in 3D. Your TV's not 3D. Yep, with uh, <laughs> Elizabeth Shue and uh, a whole bunch of other B-movie actors. And uh, Ben Affleck's latest direct, dir- uh, directing effort, The Town. And I'll be looking at The Social Network, uh, The Winter's Bone. And every other movie released this Jonah year. Hex. And Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. I might also mention Despicable Me because I saw that as well. There you go. So we got a full show for you today. But before we get started, if any of you have any comments or questions or anything that you'd like to send our way, you can email us at podcast at mcyappenfries.com. That's podcast at mcyappenfries.com. Once again, with feeling, podcast at mcyappenfries.com. No. <laughs> How you doing? How you doing anyway? Um, I'm, I'm doing all right. You it's been right? a hell of a week. Yeah. Oh, we go. Uh, um, um, um. I'm thinking we should in- inject some color. Inject some color? Yeah. <laughs> Any particular kind of color? You know, yeah, you know. Gray's a color. And gray's gray. not particularly interesting. <laughs> I'm feeling pretty gray. <laughs> <laughs> all right, heading into the news. Yeah. Uh, uh, for those of you who are unaware, the Wachowski brothers have been working on this um, very top secret uh, project for quite a while called CN9, which uh, means Cobalt Neutral 9. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a movie told from the perspective of uh, archaeologists piecing together events from the U.S. occupation of Iraq using found footage and includes two male soldiers falling in love and a plot to assassinate George W. Bush. What? Um, strangely enough, they're having trouble finding funding. <laughs> <laughs> funding for this film, even though they have already shot footage uh, with uh, Ariana Huffington, Salman Rushdie, Jesse Ventura, and Cornell West. Jesse the Fridge Ventura? Yep. Jesse, uh, the carrier of old Painless from Predator Ventura. Ah, right. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, they've already shot parts of it, but, appara- uh, but they're having trouble finding people to distribute it, which yeah. is hardly surprising considering the, uh, the plot. But uh, just recently it was reported that, w- that the uh, Wachowski brothers are about to start work on a modern urban urban take on the legend of Robin Hood. Oh, yeah, I heard that as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it seems that the script, I mean, you're kind of given the impression that the script is already written uh-huh. because uh, none of the reports say that they're writing it. They're, the reports all say that they've already written it huh. and uh, will probably direct. There are some um, sort of, the- there are a couple of theories flying around that um, it's part of a I scratch my back, you scratch yours deal. Yeah. So it's like, I'll do this for you, Warner Brothers, uh, but in the meantime, I got this little thing called CN9. Yeah. <laughs> about two Iraqi soldiers sucking each other off in the isn't middle there, of the desert. Isn't there something as well about some kind of future aspect to this, I think? Um, I mean, like the, the that's stu- the that's the people piecing it together. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean like the stuff that I've read about it is that the the, the as far as anyone's willing to go is that it's going to be ultra modern. Uh. But uh, how sci-fi they take it, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, like it kind of feels like a weird thing that you would do. Like, seems a little obvious, don't you think? Yeah, seems a little obvious. Like Robin Hood, modern day economic crisis. What have they done <laughs> since the Matrix? Uh, Speed Racer. 
Oh, yes. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Comment as, on the screen. I mean, as producers, they've done a fair bit. I mean, they did V for Vendetta. They were also producers on uh, Ninja Assassin as oh, well. Oh, that's right. Uh, so, I mean, they've been kind of active as, uh, as sort of like creative minds and stuff. But in terms of like stuff that they just purely direct, it's really just been Bound, The Matrix trilogy, and Speed Racer. Yeah. Uh, on to trailer news. Uh, the trailer came out this week for Real Steel, which you talked about before, which is the Hugh Jackman movie, which sounds like a waste of time. Yes, it does. Um, he's a boxer who trains robot boxers. Yeah, well, I mean, he was a boxer at one point, and then yeah, and you know, and then he's now he's all washed up, and they people, you know, like the money people have discovered that uh, you know what, when humans box, humans can get hurt. Whereas machines <laughs> Whereas go machines, forever. Machines, they can just go forever. So and I mean, it's it's one of those things. It's like source code, and that like, well, how is this going to work? Because like today, it, is it just going to be uh, that show that used to be on? BBC about the what was it Battle of the Machines or War of the Robots or whatever they used to have that shit Robo Robo Wars Robo Wars yeah yeah is this gonna be that is this gonna be Robot Wars I don't know I hated Robo Wars mm. I wasn't a fan was that mostly down to Craig David not Craig David Craig Charles <laughs> yeah I hated Craig David in that I really wish he would just walk away <laughs> yeah I'll show them like seven days a week <laughs> Uh, you know, but he. Le- but at the end, you know, I mean, it just didn't work because that's not the shape of his heart. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that guy. The only thing Craig David's done that I like is uh, at the uh, John Lennon tribute concert, he did this really cool version of um, uh, "Come Together." Oh. That I liked. Aside from that, everything else, it's like when I saw the video for "Walking Away," I was like, "You're walking I, away I, from them watching this TV." I was pissed off at how much I liked the song because yeah. <laughs> I, I just looked at him. I'm like, "You're a cock." I hate the fact that I like this song. <laughs> this reminds me of reminds me of a time in my life. <laughs> did you have a tear? Huh? One I, single I did. Song I, did. Tear. I cried. I cried. Bites of Real Steel. I also saw a script review of this, and yes. they were talking that you know this could be very good. Yeah, uh, it seems to be as well. Uh, an aspect that is completely glossed over in the trailer about mm-hmm. it's a father and something yeah, as well yeah. where he's like he, I think he doesn't give like a, a shit about think, his son I think there's like a split second cut of the son you hardly yeah. doesn't even, the son doesn't even register in the trailer but supposedly he's like he doesn't he needs the money to buy a robot and he's up to his eyes in debt and the kid you know he's broken up with the wife and yeah. she's up with someone else and that other guy pays him 30 yeah. grand to mind the kids for the two months so they can go on holiday or some shit like that. I would take 30 grand to mind a kid. Yeah. That's not, that's not bad business. Yeah. It's not bad business. Because like, he's loaded and there's nothing to him. So. And Harry Knowles from uh, Ain't It Cool News, he started to do do something that started to piss me off. Is that um, he's he's like uh, he's announcing the release of a trailer, mm-hmm. but then he makes it a point to say, like, uh, having read the script, yeah. I know that this is the, the movie that they're selling is not the movie they've made. It's you like can't, he did, you can't see this on the radio, but I'm making a wanking jokes. I know he did that with Green Lantern. It's like yeah. you know, for all of you who think that you know this has a, a kind of a funny vibe, I've read the script and I'm in the know, and I'm big fat ranger fuck, you know. Come on, Phil. Excuse me, sorry. He's just he's just doing the, main, the like the whole name dropping and connection yeah. dropping thing. It's just a little too much these days, and you just you just think to yourself, dude, you've already fucking made it. Yeah. You know, you've already. And that's why I don't I don't look at Ain't a Kill anymore, for news because it's. I, I mean, too, he's too big. I look at Ain't It Cool. I look at Ain't It Cool for the talkbacks. I know. I love that over the and over talkbacks again. are fucking hilarious. <laughs> but this is the these thing. These people should write. Actually, they, the, the talkbackers for Ain't It Cool should actually try and write a script. It would be because it would be Jay and Silent Bob. If they back. could channel that same kind of energy into something a little bit more creative, these people could be the next fucking Ben and Matt. But it'd be, <laughs> it'd be Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back or Shit My Dad Says is what it would be. Well. 
shit my dad says, as has been proven from, from the ratings and also from the reviews, should have just stayed as a fucking Twitter feed. Exactly. <laughs> so I think the talkbacker should say, the talkback to the movie is not going to work. But uh, yeah, no, Anna Kill's just gotten too big. No, and they, but, they're, they're, they're on the inside. Yeah, but be, I know, but Harry Knowles also did the same thing about Real Steel. It's like, you know, it's like, like if, if for, for those of you who think this trailer looks a little shit, I've read the script and this is not the movie they're selling. Well, then what the fuck is it then? Yeah. It looks like a pretty straightforward uh, concept to me. It's yeah. like, and the trailer seems pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, and why would you want to, you know, exclude that whole father-son element unless it's glossed over in the movie as well? And I mean, the robots aren't even shown that much in it as well. A little bit. And they do bit. say that the effects are incomplete. And it is, I suppose, a kind of a teaser. Yeah. They're not really showing you that much. But it's just like, it's just kind of funny to see sort of uh, Hugh Jackman and Mickey from, from Rocky mode. You know, yeah. As a, <laughs> Come on, you bum! <laughs> Get him, you bum! You know, is there going to be a scene where the, where the uh, fucking robot has to run around the backyard trying to chase the chicken? I don't know. There's, there's, there, is a, there is a scene of him shadow boxing and the robot doing the same I know, thing, I know. which looks weird. Which I mean, looks weird. But there's also a scene of a it looks controller. Like, it looks kind of like two gay lovers, like sort of like a little foreplay before, yeah. you know, before he sucks off his iron dick. There's also a scene of like a controller. So are these robots I'm, I'm going to have a lot of gay references. I'm yeah. going to have a lot of fucking jabs at homosexuals in this podcast. Uh, someone on Slash Film made a good point. It's like, if you're looking for the trailer, what are you going to look for? It's like real steel trailer. <laughs> Real steel trick. I saw that. I was like, <laughs> it took me a split second to register. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so fun. Oh, now I get it. Uh, well done, slash. But like, are they just driving the robots? In which case, nah, or but apparently one of the robots is self-aware. In which case, well, are they making AI or is what it, the fuck's is going it, on? Is it like gamer? The, yeah, you know, it's like, like you know, what, what's going on here, man? I've talked about it before, and I said it especially with regards to source. And code. also, it's it's where a, they have a technology they're not really explaining, and also if they did explain it properly, it wouldn't match what the movie is doing. I tell you, the issue that I have with it is that it's one of these. It's you can tell they're trying to go for this triumph of the human spirit sort of thing, mm -hmm. but it's about robots. Yeah. You know, which is just kind of weird. And, you know, not only that, that it's uh, a triumph of the human spirit tale from the director of Date Night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, speaking of assholes and trailers, uh, the trailer for The Beaver came out as well. So this is Mel Gibson's supposedly <laughs> comeback, which is surprising they're releasing the trailer so soon. I thought this movie was going to linger in limbo for quite a while. But it's one of those things where it's like, either way you're fucked, you know? Yeah. I, if you you got to strike while the iron's hot. And right now, you may hate Mel Gibson, but you certainly know who he is. Yeah, <laughs> and the know? trailer it's, definitely plays on that. It plays on that a lot. So in a strange way, it's not really surprising. I think they just wanted to make sure that they didn't, they didn't look, make it look like they were going for the award season. Yeah. Because I think initially, before Mel Gibson shot himself in the foot, that, that was what they were going to do. Yeah. It, it was, they were going to release it in the hope that it could be an Oscar contender. So if you haven't heard us talk about this before, this is the movie where he's totally fucked up and he even says it, whatever his name is, is like, is ah. lost himself. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> 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 All right, Sorry, ladies and gents, I just burnt myself. <laughs> I meant to do that. Yeah. I meant to do that. Look, it's all right when you do that at home. Don't do it on the podcast. Um, but like, he's totally fucked up, and he finds a beaver puppet that he uses to get his dark thoughts out of the way. Yeah, and already, within, I think, 48 hours of the trailer coming out, someone had already edited the trailer and put in all the beaver's dialogue was replaced with Mel Gibson's phone calls that yeah. his uh, girlfriend, ex-girlfriend had. Basically, he's, he's running around with this beaver puppet, and, uh, and uh, no one is allowed to speak to him. Anything like it has to be addressed to the beaver, yeah. and the beaver will speak back. He will speak through the beaver. Back at the at the at the at the person who's just spoken to the beaver. Yeah, and Jodie Foster's <laughs> career is over. <laughs> She's gone to bat hardcore for her friend. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you better pray that uh, 
you know, that he comes through. But I mean, the trailer does kind of, it does, I, I like the trailer. Yeah. It does look like at the very least it'll be an interesting watch. Yeah. If for no other reason than just to parallel with what's going on in his I thought it'd be life. funnier though. It kind of plays up the sad sack elements of it as opposed to, oh look, Crazy Beaver. And it's kind of, it's like he, it, it spends a good portion of the trailer establishing that this guy is fucked and yeah. tried everything and yeah. he's lost his happy. Yes. He's, so. he's lost his happy because he's too busy hating on Jews. Yeah. <laughs> Every once in a while, you know, he'll start to hate on the blacks and the Mexicans. Every every now and then, he'll just hate on women. What was the line? <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm gonna come over and blow your, b- burn the house down, but you're gonna blow me first. I think was yeah. the classic. But first, you're gonna blow me. <laughs> you're oh, you make me so angry. I, you make me want to smoke. <laughs> yeah. And his breathing also sounds like dialogue because he's so. <sighs> and that's if you go online, you look for the Beaver remix. You'll see it there. Although you might end up with a couple of other songs. Maybe it was well. mixed up with his audition tape for the Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be genius as the Hulk. You, Hulk hates Jews. <laughs> Hulk smash Jews. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Marvel, we're sorry. We yeah. did not mean to lump you in with that racist fucking asshole. Yeah, no, Gibson, we're not sorry. That's you, you dumb bad boy. We did not mean to uh, associate you with that lethal weapon. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh god. What do you got? Uh, well, going back, going back to someone we don't hate so much, um, the beloved director of the surprise hit District Nine, Neil Blomkamp. A while, uh, a little while ago, there was this. Um, uh, it was like this viral video yeah. that, that uh, people were thinking that might be his next film, but that turned out to be about something else entirely. Oh, is it? Yep. Uh, I was going to talk about that. Uh, but uh, apparently he's uh, moving forward with um, his next film, which is, uh, surprise, surprise, a science fiction movie mm-hmm. uh, called Elysium. 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 That's right. Elysium. Elysium. Yeah, sorry. Let me just clean my glasses there. It's the, where um, Russell Crowe's family lives. After Elysium. Radiator. That's right. That explains a lot. Yeah. And according to Greek mythology, Elysium was the underworld afterlife devoted to the souls of the heroic and the virtuous. Um, Shalto Copley, who uh, played Vicus in District 9, he's returning as one of the lead characters. Cool. Uh, their infam- uh, details on the plot, aside from that, are kind of scarce. Mm-hmm. Uh, but apparently Matt Damon is also in, tar- in, also in talks to star in the movie. Movie will be released through uh, Universal. <laughs> <laughs> but there was, I mean, the the the, Neil, the thing that I saw. Did you see the clip online? The it's a, it's a MC Nine or MC mm-hmm. Heartland or no? It was called um, genetically GMC Heartland. No, I just. So this it. is the thing that seems that it was this viral video, and it's these guys like in a truck, and they pull over the side of the road, and there's like a little weird pink mutant in a puddle, yes. and it's got a stamp on the side of it, which a lot of people were analyzing the numbers on it but it looks like a date it looks like December sometime mm-hmm. like the 18th or something like that mm-hmm. but uh, whether that's going to be released uh, is a movie release or something else what did you, you said it, it wasn't Elysium but it, what is it? I heard that it was uh, tying into some sort of like uh, inter- uh, like internet video that he was doing or something yeah. Like but it looks pretty freaky. I mean, it's really yeah, yeah. It's it like, was, oh, it was, dude, look, don't touch it. The stills for it look kind of fucked up. But yeah. I mean, I vaguely remember reading something about it, just sort of being the precursor to like a series of short internet films. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, about, about, about it's something about corporations manufacturing life forms to use in food or some shit like that. It's weird looking. There you go. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, fuck Matt Damon. I'm just looking forward to seeing Vickers team up with Neil Blomkamp again. Yeah, you didn't really mention Matt Damon was in it. I did. Did you? I did. Okay. You weren't listening. <laughs> You, you never were, listen. You, were just you never away. listen. That's your problem. You're just like my parents. You don't call. You don't write. <laughs> uh, bit of sad news in the last two weeks since we were on air. Um, yes, uh, comedy great. Comedy great. Leslie Nielsen died. At, was he 86 or something like that? Uh, yeah, he had pretty good innings. Yeah. Yep. 
but uh, absolute legend. I think definitely yeah, give him a gap prize salute. Absolutely, definitely salute. Moments, moments, silence. silence. Cheers. I didn't even know he was ill. I mean, was it a pulmonary? Oh, or? by the way, I faked every orgasm. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like, I mean, I, I haven't gone back. I think there are. Someone did a. I think Empire or Slash Villain did a, retro, a, a kind of a little retrospective thing, and they had mm-hmm. clips from like movies when he was serious. Yeah, yeah. Which is just that's, weird. That's, uh, to imagine. that's something that a lot of um, uh, a lot of kids uh, don't realize is that uh, long before he was um, the spoof king. Yeah. He was Mr. Serious. I mean, my introduction to him as a serious actor was um, Forbidden Planet. Yes. And it's so, yeah. but having seen and the all I the airplane saw, yeah, movies yeah. and then seeing it, I, I, I like, saw Forbidden Planet like way after yeah, I saw that. the cracky joke like, about aliens or something. But my but my favorite uh, serious Leslie Nielsen performance has got to be Creepshow. Yeah, remember remember him in Creepshow? He that went, was on last week. He was the guy who um, had Ted Danson killed. Like he buried him. Oh yeah, yeah I've heard. I missed like, that bit. I heard about it. And that, then yeah. Ted Danson yeah. comes back from the dead and does the same thing to him. It was fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> That's another thing people don't know is that Ted Danson used to be a very serious <laughs> The Onion Field. Awesome. Hello, Cousins. Uh, you love Cousins, don't you? I love Cousins. It's such a great movie. Larry Kaczynski, I would love to dance with you. But, uh, yeah, it's sad to see him go. I mean, he, he, had, oh, he had done a couple of stinkers in the later years, but I think in Scary Movie 4, he was pretty good as a president, but he was very much doing... Um, what he does. Bridges. Yeah. Uh, Lloyd, Bridges, L- Lloyd Bridges. Lloyd yeah. Bridges in uh, another Another comedy great. Another guy who used to be a serious actor that just went into spoofs. I mean, about, it's kind of... It's not really surprising that a lot of his later films would be shit because that's all he did. It was just yeah. spoofs. I was and surprised it's so that, hard to do a good spoof. Yes, these days it is. Uh, I was so surprised... I mean, it was, when you think back on it, it was surprising no one rehabilitated him as in like you know get Quentin Tarantino yeah yeah movie. that'd be awesome you know Quentin Tarantino's gonna like just be a little pissed off at himself that he didn't do that because mm. he would be a great actor to do something like that with. yeah but a bit sp- I think I think you and I probably come from the last generation of good spoofs yes I mean you know airplane. because because I mean because at least back then it, it still was more or less an art form whereas now spoofs are more of a cash-in yeah you know it's like spoofs that come out now is really just to take advantage Epic movie it's just to take advantage of whatever the flavor of the month is yeah. and to just exploit it and and send it up but just doing it in the most in the most fucked up stupid Christ, way terrible vampire suck way we're, yeah worse worse uh worse with the kind of spoofs that we grew up on were, were spoofs that were done in order to create a franchise in itself yeah you know i, I mean i think in that regard scary movie was the last like uh the semi- first one the, yeah, like yeah the first sort of like uh, semi after that they were just you know, throwing it, shit at the wall and seeing what would stick yeah, exactly, and mostly exactly. none of it stuck because it was runny shit whereas we had you know we had airplane we had the naked the gun, gun we had top secret hot shots which was also kind of taking the uh, the flavor of the month at the time as well yeah but well, i mean it was but it wasn't even the but, flavor but of the month it was, the, it was a couple of years after time I know, I know. <laughs> but it was genius it was genius and then hot, hot, uh, hot shots part I was going to say Harley Topper. It was, uh, was, uh, was Rambo, right? It was yeah. First Blood, that's right. More kills than Robocop. <laughs> <laughs> Most violent movie ever. <laughs> I always love that creepy guy who looks like my McKillian who pops up and he's like, War. It's fantastic. Which one is this? The creepy guy. The guy that had to rescue Dexter or something. Not Dexter. Dexter's um, Mr. Bean. But the other guy who supposedly was came, was the only survivor of the previous mission in Hot Shots Part 2. I can't remember. He's like a little guy with a little wheezy looking guy with like receding hairline. I think he, he was in Robocop. He was uh, the guy with the... Um, you had to get rid of what's his name because he made a mistake. The guy who made the mistake. Oh, Bob Morton. Bob Morton, yeah. What, Miguel Ferreira. Yeah. Miguel Ferreira. Is that his name? Miguel yeah, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> God bless your G- brain. George Clooney's cousin. <laughs> what? 
Yeah, Miguel Ferrer is George Clooney's cousin. No way. Yeah, yeah. He's obviously dabbling in the shallow end of the team, though. <laughs> <laughs> He's a freaky looking. <laughs> It's like Ron Howard's cousin. Clint Howard. He looks like a fucking. It looks like Ron Howard. Ron Howard he looked, reflected through a, a mirror of nightmares. No, that's his brother. That's his brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. not his cousin. Uh, I don't know as well. You gotta burn yourself. Tina comes on Tuesday. You'll be dust by Tuesday. <sighs> she just. Anyway, there was uh, an the other, no the other. Well, we get the RIP sad bits out of the way. Okay. Irvin Kershwin also. Passed. Yes, yes, you know, the, uh, the director uh, of Empire Strikes, Strikes Back. Back, the best movie ever made. Yes, he also directed Robocop too. Yes, but we won't we won't go into we won't that. dwell on that. Yeah, we won't dwell on that. He was the long. he was the guy who told George Lucas, "No, George, we're not doing that. We're keeping in the hand says I know scene." But in all the interviews you see on him, and like in all these uh, documentaries that have just been done on on uh, the 30th anniversary, back, yeah, uh, he just comes across like the sweetest man. Mm. And uh, you know, if for nothing else, he gave us the best Star Wars movie that has yet to come. Yeah, I mean, so, uh, thank uh, you for that. and the thing is, like, he was teaching when George Lucas yeah, yeah. directed. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he, um, he, he was, was teaching USC, wasn't he? He was George Lucas's teacher. Yeah, yeah. In film school. Excellent. Would have been kind of sucky or stupid if he was his teacher in Woodshop. You said he was his teacher. Could be his teacher of anything. Applied what maths. What the fuck else may be teaching him? <laughs> you never know. People don't know as much as we do. We have to tell them. <laughs> George Lucas, for fuck's sake. <laughs> you know, yeah, just woodshop teacher direct Empire. He said no. <sighs> Although his woodshop teacher was Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> Floor's not an astray why'd, bitch. Why'd you hire him? Well, he's not much of a filmmaker, but he makes a hell of a crochet. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, in other news, in an online chat with um, the LA Times, uh, Kevin Feige, the president of Marvel Studios, uh, was um, answering a whole bunch of uh, fan-submitted questions. Uh -huh. And uh, here's just a few uh, like uh, highlights of some of the things that he says. Number one, um, Iron Man will have new armor in the Avengers. Uh, the upcoming Marvel movies. Rhinestone armor. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the upcoming Marvel movies will continue will continue to hide hidden Easter eggs. Well, surprise, surprise. There. Mm -hmm. The next for the next three years, he's focusing his attention on Iron Man three, the Runaways, Ant Man, and the Avengers. Mm. Uh, the character of Donald Blake is referred to in Thor. Uh, well, it should be. He's in Thor. Yeah. Referred to. Oh, no, right. You know, no. He, no he, uh, they're not using the Donald Blake. Um, Alter ego. Yeah. Uh, Edgar Wright is still working on the screenplay for Ant-Man. You better hurry up. Mm -hmm. uh, he talked about how much he wants to get Doctor Strange, Black Panther, and Luke Cage off the ground, and that we should be seeing a trailer for Captain America early next year. Sweet. Uh, they are working on another version of The Punisher. Mm. Uh, although... Uh, the reboot cycle's getting ridiculous. Yeah, although no word on whether it's going to be like another movie or whether it's going to be a TV series. Uh -huh. um, he there was says, something else that mentioned. It was a Cloak and Dagger's a TV show, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he claims that uh, Natalie Portman and Chris Hemsworth have amazing chemistry in Thor. Well, they fucking better. Well, you, did you see the clip of the, the, the first kind of clip footage we got was from Entertainment Tonight, yeah, yeah, where yeah. she was and, totally and fawning Totally, on totally crushing on him. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, she was just stroking his massively large bicep. Uh, well, Chris, when you were, you were on Dancing with the Stars in Australia? Oh my God, that's so sexy. I want to have your babies. <laughs> But here's an interesting thing. He says that, because uh, a while back we reported that uh, Marvel was planning on doing a whole bunch of 10-minute shorts. Yeah. Uh, he says that that was just a rumor. Oh. There's no truth to that. 
That's Nick Fury. Yep, he says that uh, Fox is still working on the Deadpool movie. Uh, Nick Fury is going to stay in the modern era, and that in the upcoming Captain America movie there is n- there are, there will be no invaders. Wow. But there will be Howling Commandos. Ooh. Yes. Hmm. Weird. Uh, there were also uh, John Favreau came out to say that Iron Man three will essentially act as a sequel to the Avengers, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. I mean that that's going to get crazy for those people who don't you know who just watch the movies for fun and shit like that. That's going to like huh? what's going on between all these different movies? Like I mean they're going to get. The movies are going to get, I think, very much like the cartoons or comic books. In that, you know, when you reboot, like with the like uh, with um, Ultimates, mm-hmm. you know, you have somewhat long to do before you start doing the crazy shit that got you into trouble in the first place. Yep. And the comics are going to hit that sooner or later, where they'll just do something weird. Movies <laughs> do something similar. <laughs> By the way, I'm really hungover. <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> Uh, well, I'm, I'm pretty much done. You're done. <laughs> I'm done with news. Should we just get, move on to the reviews? Uh, let me think. Uh, oh, I also saw there's a load of stuff came out from Japan on Space Battleship Yamato. Yes, I, I did read a little bit about this. Some of you might remember this is a TV show that was shown as Star Blazers about a giant submarine in space. Uh, this looks insane, but also insanely good. Apparently, they're referencing a lot of Battlestar Galactica, which is good. I mean, the suits, the scenery, the sets, and all that kind of stuff. But they have there's literally about seven or seven to ten minutes online already, just footage of them doing shit. Now, it does look a bit goofy when they're firing the giantest gun on the ship with a small handgun. Mm-hmm. That's how you trigger it. You pull the handgun. It looks kind of dorky. Okay. But, I mean, it's all in Japanese. There's no subtitles on this shit because it's all just from Japanese TV shows. Mm-hmm. The guy who, I mean, the, the bit I've seen of the opening scene, the opening credits to the t- old TV show, you know, the guy looks like Captain Birdseye and in this he looks like Japanese Captain Birdseye, the captain of the ship. Like, he's got the little beard and he's got the, the cap and everything and you expect him to sell you some fish fingers. It's, it's quite weird, but it does look cool and the space battles look awesome. There's a whole thing of the, because the, the whole point is that aliens have attacked, all the spaceships are destroyed, so they take the old Yamato, which was some kind of thing at the, the midway, and turn it into a space battleship, and mm-hmm. they show the whole scene of them taking off. Uh-huh. So it's all covered under dirt, all you can see is this like tower, and the whole thing comes up, and that looks bad ass. I mean, hopefully this will, if, I'm hoping this is a success, I don't know what, when it's going to come out in the US, but it, it could be a big enough success in Japan to get other things done, like say a Gundam movie or a, mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. Robotech movie, which they've talked about for years, and get that Evangelion movie going, which I don't know how that's going to work because it's insane. Yeah. <laughs> Would it be good to see giant robots kicking the shit out of each other? Not since Robot Jocks have we seen that kind of action. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I love Robot Jocks. Robot Jocks is cool. Yeah. But yeah, that's news. Oh, the other thing, I think we should mention Scott Pilgrim is, it's on the long list, is it, for the Oscars? Yeah, it's on, it's on the long list. Hopefully, uh, that, I the, mean, The Academy of uh, Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, they've just announced uh, 15 films have been selected as semi-finalists for the achievement in visual effects for the next Academy Awards. And the list is Alice in Wonderland, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, Clash of the Titans, Harry Potter, Hereafter, Inception, Iron Man 2, The Last Airbender, Percy Jackson and the Olympians, Prince of, yep. Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, Shutter Island. Shutter what Island. the fuck? The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Actually, no, that did have some nice effects. Yeah. The Sorcerer's Apprentice, Tron Legacy, and Unstoppable. I hope, I really hope that Scott Pilgrim gets a nod because all those other movies are using, like, Alice in Wonderland is obvious effects. Yep. Look at this, it's an effect shot. It's amazing because it's an effect. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the effects are like in Unstoppable, but it's a train. But uh, Tron Legacy is, I'd say, the. The, the effects in Unstoppable are actually pretty seamless. Yeah. It doesn't feel like. Um, I was actually quite shocked to see that there because a lot of it looks if like. We've done our job right, you don't see the effects. Yes, yes. But it's, I think Scott Pilgrim. It's the Forrest Gump factor. I think Scott Pilgrim <laughs> uses the effects in a very different way to any the way anyone's used it before. Yeah, I it's like it's, it's this weird 
perfect hybrid of it being in your face but subtle at the same time. Hyper reality. Yeah. And, af like and after a while, I mean, uh, if you're, uh, as long as you're not some fucking asshole, you buy into it and you don't see the effects anymore. You just like, you know, you become part of the universe yeah. and you don't see the effects anymore. Oh look, coins. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, oh of course, I mean, of course they would, go in, they would turn into coins. But like with movies like Alice in Wonderland, Chronicles of Narnia, Clash of the Titans, the effects are very clearly effects. It's like when you see the best actor movies uh, nominations and there's clearly a movie where someone is doing their best actor thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Alice in Wonderland is someone doing their, this is my effects Oscar. Thing. Yeah. As yeah. opposed to Scott Pilgrim, where it's the unsung hero that should actually get it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yep, absolutely. Uh, last bit of news as well is that uh, the guy who made Love Happens, Brandon Camp, that's got to be terrible. Son of Benji creator Joe Camp Jr. <laughs> you know they're going to, they were, they're not happy kids. Uh, feeling a bit camp today. And they're going, he's going to produce, direct, and pen the script for the reboot of Benji. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Benji is the heartfelt character. He's always been an underdog. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's a quote from him. But, uh, and obviously there's an emotional journey for the character. But, um, <laughs> I mean, Benji was one of those things on TV you just watched when you were a kid. It was always fucking on. Pain and torture. That's an emotion. Yeah. Do you remember Benji, Zack and the Alien Prince? No, I don't. You never saw that? No, I didn't see that. Saturday morning no, TV no, no, shit no. where, like, Benji is doing his that. normal Fuck that. scraggy dog shit and hooks up with an alien prince in the planet Zordor and his robot. The robot was awesome, a floating robot. But um, yeah, it was like, I think you've gone a bit nuts on the Benji at this point. I think that was the, that was literally jumping the shark. Mm-hmm. Cool show. Was <laughs> it? So before we get into news, uh, movies, reviews, I mean, we should probably do the emails. All right. Emails, plural, yes. So if you want to get in on this action, this email, this hot email action, you can get us at podcast at meevanfries.com. Okay. Podcast at meevanfries.com. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting to see how long you can handle it. So uh, email the first comes from Princess Mononoke. Uh, Hi, did you know that Orlando Bloom, Tom Cruise, Keanu Reeves are dyslexic? I didn't know that. I did not know that. Hmm? No, I knew that Tom Cruise was dyslexic. Really? Yeah. I thought he was just crazy. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> no, I knew that Tom Cruise was dyslexic. It's not that he has trouble reading the words. It's just that they're not the words I want to say. Change the script. <laughs> that's why. The, that's why these boys always have to uh, know their lines ahead of time because they can't learn it on on the set. <laughs> um. So yeah. Thanks. Is that it? Yeah. Uh, email, the second, email the second we have is from Max, who we've had an email from before about their uh, hamster. So hello, So this might be a bit weird. Uh, hello, Ian and Gavin. Thanks for answering my last question. My favorite disaster movie is the impending extinction of the world due to, inter in, due to infertility pandemic, Children of Men. Did we mention Children of Men in our... No, we didn't. Because that is awesome. That is a good movie. By the way, I've, I've been in good spirits since replacing Hilda with a turtle named Barnaby. I only got it because I read somewhere <laughs> that turtles have potentially long lifespan and they could be my family for generations. I have another question. What type of animal is Snuffleupagus? Snuffleupagus. From Max. He's a woolly mammoth and uh, in, invisible friend, right? What? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> If you'd like to improve the quality of emails you get, email us at podcast.mcgavinprize.com. Like, isn't that the fucking Sesame Street thing? Yeah, yeah. It's, what, invisible man? Well, he was invisible man. <laughs> I don't know if they're still doing it. I think other people can see Snuffy, but for quite a long time. He's a woolly people. mammoth. Yeah, he is a woolly mammoth. <laughs> I just love how seriously you answered the question. Well, yeah, yeah. well he's a woolly mammoth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
pretty fucking obvious from the trunk and the wall. <laughs> big elephant with blown eyelashes. Massively long eyelashes, yeah. Is and only Big Bird could see him. Yeah, only Big Bird could see him. That's the thing, I'm not sure whether they're still doing that in the Muppets. I think, because Big Bird used to get loads of shit from people saying, oh, what were you, who are you talking to? It's not the Snuffy. Oh, okay. <laughs> Big Bird used to get a lot of shit. Yeah. <laughs> He's like sitting in his Who's nest. Who's gonna give Big Bird shit? He's just sitting in his nest going. That's like flipping Jesus the bird. <laughs> flipping Big Bird the bird. Flipping Jesus the big bird. <laughs> Apparently, have you heard? Everybody's heard about the bird. Um, have you? Have, have you seen the Family Guy? No, no. Have you seen um, uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? No, I saw the first episode. There was this one. There's this one episode that I caught the other day, and uh, one of the guys he's trying to like uh, fuck this chick who's very anti-abortion. Uh -huh. So he follows her to anti-abortion rallies, and he wears a T-shirt that says, "What if Jesus was aborted?" <laughs> <laughs> Dear God, what's that got to do with Snuffy? Uh, no, because uh, I know <laughs> Jesus, you know, like flipping Jesus the bird. The bird right, I was right. just thinking, you know, like, what? but you know, he's definitely a woolly what mammoth, it? right? Yes, he is a woolly mammoth. Mm. I've always called him. The, I've always, I've always called him the, the, ses, the Sesame Street elephant. Well, this is <laughs> <laughs> You're shitting me, right? The elephant from Sesame Street. <laughs> Thing is, though, I'm half Chinese. Leave me alone. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm not sure whether his name is Snuffleupagus or whether he is a Snuffleupagus. Mm. Snuffleupagus. He could be a Snuffleupagus because he looks like he snuffles upagus. <laughs> Your mother's a Snuffleupagus. <laughs> And a, and a tracer. <laughs> Your mom is so fat when she fell over and cut herself gravy kind now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> your mom is so fat she fell in the Grand Canyon and got stuck. <laughs> your, mom so, your mom is so fat I asked her to get off last night and she rolled over twice. <laughs> <laughs> your mom is so fat every time she turns around it's Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> your mom was so dumb she got hit by a parked car. <laughs> your mom was so dumb she went to the cinema and saw the sign that says under 18 not admitted so she went home and got 17 of her friends. <laughs> and if any of you have any better your mama jokes, email them in to podcast.meupandfries.com. <laughs> Fuck. The Sesame Street elephant. <laughs> Uh, sorry, Jim. You <laughs> <laughs> seem so sincere. I didn't mean it. <laughs> you got a lot of funny looks in the playground. <laughs> Along with the Camp Brothers. <laughs> you be Big Bird, I'll be the elephant. <laughs> Make it stop. <laughs> Reviews! Reviews! You go first. I review... Okay. <laughs> I haven't reviewed anything yet. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. There you go. Okay, I, uh, one of the movies that I saw was uh, Get Him to the Greek. Yeah. Uh, which is um, based on characters created by Jason Siegel from uh, the film Forgetting Sarah Marshall. And Guys! <laughs> And Sarah, and, Sarah, and Sarah Marshall actually does make an appearance in this movie. Oh, really? Yeah. As Sarah Marshall? Yeah, as Sarah Marshall. It's, kind, it's a billboard kind of, or something, or a TV ad? No, it's or? a TV ad for, ah. for, her, for her new show. But, uh, and the way that that's done is actually really nice. Side pets? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's all about the end. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, um, but so they, uh, this, this uh, brings back uh, Russell Brand, who played Aldous Snow in uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Aldous. Aldous. Uh, Aldous. What the fuck is wrong? I'm dyslexic. 
<laughs> You're just lazy. I am Tom Cruise. <laughs> I'm in hiding. Um, and uh, Aldous, Aldous Snow in this one, basically, um, it's the it's the ten year reunion. No, not ten year reunion. It's the ten year anniversary of uh, one of his of um, of his of his last performance at the Greek Theater in L.A. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they're trying to come up with um, like the music industry is going to shit. They're trying to come up with the next big thing and what to do and all that. And um, P Diddy, Sean Combs. Uh, he's he's um, record label guy. Yeah, he's the record label guy. He's good, right? And he, yeah, he's the big surprise of this movie. He's fucking hilarious. And uh, Jonah Hill, who is a massive um, Aldous Snow fan, is the one who comes up with the idea. Like, uh, let's let's bring him back to the ten year anniversary concert. Yeah. And it's and essentially like that. What he's like the whole plot revolves around what? <laughs> the whole plot revolves. Keep your trap shut. <laughs> it's the only reason you're allowed to sit in on these things. <laughs> <laughs> you want to say something, say it. <laughs> I don't think we should put this on the internet. <laughs> Anywho. Anyway, so, jo- so Jonah Hill has to travel to London to get uh, Aldous Snow back in time for the concert. Mm-hmm. And What was his album in? Um, something African from- Child. African Child. <laughs> African Child. I mean, that, that was it. Like The last album that he had released was this album called African Child, which was generally regarded as the worst album ever done. Uh-huh. And uh, sales were embarrassing. His career is in the fucking dumps. Dolphins. Yep. And uh, he's basically high on all kinds of shit all the time. And so he's just, just Russell Band playing Russell Band Urca, uh, circa uh, 2006. Yeah, there you go. <clears throat> Before um, he got clean. Mm-hmm. Before he got clean, very clean. There's this story about like while he was um, shooting the remake for Arthur, when he's supposed to play a scene in which he's intoxicated, which is most of the scenes, he uh, has a bucket of booze brought in which he sniffs to get like a trace memory of what it feels like to be drunk and then he does the scene. Well, I mean, he has a conviction for drug possession, so every time he goes into the US, which is really hurting his movie career, he has to go into it. He's got a special little room. Yeah. And he goes in there and he gets fucking rubber gloved and fucking starts every time, so. Yeah, and there is sort of a scene in in, uh, in this film that does kind of pay homage to that a little yeah. bit, like uh, how he smuggles heroin in. It's kind of cool. Oh, yeah. I see that's in the trailer, I think, isn't it, with Jonah Hill? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but essentially, I mean, that is the film, is that Jonah Hill has to bring this guy back to L.A. in time for the concert. And, and learn love, right? And, and it's essentially like just all of the shit that they have to go through, massive parties, lots of sex. Road um, movie? Hmm? It's a kind of a road trip movie. A little bit, a little bit. I mean, it does have a little bit of that vibe to it, but not too much in the sense that you don't really see them on the road uh-huh. that much. Uh, there's some really good performances in it. I mean, Russell Brand is essentially playing Russell Brand, but... Uh, is he good, though? Is he entertaining? Yeah, he is good. Because I thought, and uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, he, I mean, I listened to his podcast a lot, and then Forgetting Sarah Marshall didn't capture one-tenth of the manicness of the guy. Because his show is very much just let it roll yeah. and just go fucking everywhere. Like, I mean, they were the, the first radio show I listened to where if the, the um, you know, they usually, when they're queuing up a phone interview, if the guy wasn't ready, they just call him live on air. Mm-hmm. As opposed to having a queued up in the background, they, yeah, just, they yeah, just literally yeah, yeah. just dial him and say, are you there? And leave messages, and that's what got him into trouble. Right. Well, I think that, uh, I mean, like, this also it doesn't really capture everything that he's capable of doing. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, in the sense that he is still playing the same character from Forgetting Sarah Marshall, and he does stay within the confines of that character, yeah. and it's not as out there. Although there is uh, one hilarious sequence involving... Um, uh, you sound like such a cop, you said, hilarious sequence. There's one hilarious... Are you, Ro- are you Roger Ebert or what? <laughs> there is one hilarious sequence, side-splitting hilarious, um, uh, involving Russell Brand, Jonah Hill, and... Um, 
uh, Russell Brand's father, played by Cole Meany, uh-huh. uh, who's also very funny in it, and um, cool. and uh, in a while. yeah, and Sean Combs, and they're they're smoking this what looks like a joint, and it's called a Jeffrey, uh-huh. and essentially it has every drug in there. And everyone, all of them, are just freaking the fuck out. <laughs> and the only way that jo- the only way that they can calm themselves down is to uh, is to is to sort of stroke the furry walls. <laughs> That's the only way they can do it. And and P Diddy's got this amazing line where he's just like going, "Is like, this fucking amazing how this feels?" And, like talking to Jonah Hill because Jonah Hill's just freaking out, you know. And like he's just stroking the furry wall, and P Diddy goes up to him, and different people are going up to him at different parts of it, like, "Just stroke the wall, just stroke the wall." And every P- time you say stroking the fur- the furry <laughs> wall, I'm thinking of some kind of euphemism. I don't know what's but Pete Diddy's like stroking the furry wall. Doesn't this feel fucking amazing? I'm gonna get the whole outside of my house covered in this shit. My house is gonna look like a motherfucking werewolf. <laughs> it's just genius. The way that he does it is just brilliant. I mean, P. P. Diddy. So he's more than a, more than a cameo. It's a more than a cameo. It's, it's a it's a full on supporting role. Cool. Um, Rose Byrne is also is also one of the standout performances. Is that how you pronounce it? I don't know. I'm trying to see what she looks like. Rose Byrne. She was um, the mother in Knowing. Uh, uh, she's also in Damages with Glenn Close. Oh, that one. Yeah, and she plays Jackie Q, uh, who is uh, Aldous Snow's ex, uh-huh. and uh, she's <laughs> she's just playing a complete chaff. And knowing that she's Aussie, it's just nice that you know because she does the accent spot on. Really. And uh, R- Russell Brand is still holding a candle to her. Calls her up, and she's in bed with uh, L- Lars Ulrich from Metallica, <laughs> who plays himself. Who plays himself, and you know it's semi decent in it. You know, I mean, like he doesn't overplay anything. Cool. And uh, you know, like Pink's got a cameo in it. Uh, Christina Aguilera cameos in it. There's a lot. There's a lot of cool little cameos in it. Who's Billy Bush? Hmm? Who's Billy Bush? I don't know. Plays himself. Anywho. Anywho. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it's a fun movie. I mean, it's not going to change the world or anything, but if you like Forgetting Sarah Marshall, chances are you'll like this. You get a good few laughs out of it. Yeah, you get a good few laughs out of it. And uh, the, the part where you... The, the part that sort of... Where uh, uh, Sarah Marshall herself turns up, it's, there's a nice little cameo from Rick Schroeder as well. Oh, right. <laughs> And Rick Schroeder just... Has the, he's just got this face. He just looks like an asshole. <laughs> it's really nice. For the few Silver Spoons fans out there, you'll enjoy it. Yeah, it's Ricky Schroeder. <laughs> but it's Rick. a fun movie. I mean, it's a fun movie. I yeah. mean, that, that's that's the big, the highest compliment I can give it is that it's a lot of fun. Cool. But anything more than that, I mean, you know, well, rent, rent a Coen Brothers movie if you want something more. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, I caught last week The Social Network, also known as the Facebook movie. Um, directed by David Fincher. This is the story of the foundation of Facebook and the shit that went on back then. Um, this is a pretty good movie. Is it? Yeah. Well, it should be. <laughs> it should be. I mean, for all the, uh, this for, is, for I, all the review, you know, for all the rave reviews that it's getting, it'd be. Yeah, I mean, no, I was guilty as well when it first got announced of thinking a movie about Facebook. How is that? What the fuck is going on here? But it is actually Facebook's hardly in it. It's more about the human drama between the guys who are involved in the startup of it and how they go through that. So Jesse Eisenberg plays Mark Zuckerberg, mm-hmm. and um, uh, Andrew Garfield is a friend of his who comes in as uh, CT CFO, mm-hmm. uh, Chief Financial Officer, and uh, the kid from Jurassic Park is in it. Um, Joseph uh, jo- Joseph, Joseph Mazzello. Mazzello. Yeah. Yeah, 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 he's yeah. in it. He's just like, oh yeah, yes, I remember you from the Pacific and Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's kind of got a, a fun little role, but it's like he was uh, also in Radio Flyer. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, I mean, the movie starts with... A lot of the thing that you need to know going into this movie is that Aaron Sorkin, who wrote The West Wing, writes this, and he's very been very, very open about the fact that a lot of this movie is just made up. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's, it's funnier and snappier that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I had a little bit of trying to figure out what was real and what was not. Because there are certain things where, during the creation of Facebook... Um, Mark Zuckerberg ends up pissing off the, tw- the, the the Winkle Boss brothers, 
or the Winklevoi, as they called him in the movie, which mm-hmm. is awesome. And uh, also the, his friend Andrew Garfield, uh, Tim Saffron. And he pisses them off. So a lot of that is um, scenes in, not courtrooms, but they're in like uh, the deliberations beforehand where they're going through kind of getting his, his side of the story and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And some of that, as far as I know, should be pretty much true to what was said. Mm-hmm. Um, the tagline for this movie was, you don't make what, however a million dollars and without making a, a few enemies. Friends. Yeah, no, it was making dollars. No, friends. Without making a few, without losing a few friends. I thought it was. I thought it was friends. You don't no. make. You don't make a hundred million friends without making a few enemies. Maybe that's what I thought. Which would make more sense as a tagline anyway. Shut up. <laughs> but uh, it starts in Harvard when he's having a conversation with um, uh, his supposed girlfriend at the time. This is one of the parts that, as far as I've heard, is not real. But uh, you never know because he supposedly had the same girlfriend the whole time through. But even just that gets you into the Aaron Sorkin mindset, where like they're just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and she even says. You know, Mark, sometimes going out with you is like going to the gym. It's like being on a Stairmaster. You're exhausting just keeping up. Because, like, she's trying to talk about, like, serious stuff and he's just being flippant and stuff. And Jesse Eisenberg plays a very good role in this in that he's totally flippant within everything. Like, the court stuff. Which is what he's kind of made a career out of being anyway. Mm. But to be fair, I couldn't see this as the guy from Zombieland. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The way he plays it, his fit. One of the things about this movie I think is is very good is that... um, after thinking about it longer, I think that his role is such a cipher. Yeah. You can literally... Everyone has a very clearly def- defined sort of t- uh, side, yeah. you know, whereas he's sort of like this clean slate. It's like, yeah, he forgot to pick up Andrew Garfield at the airport, but he was sleeping because he's been on the 24-hour coding bender. Yeah. But, you know, that that could happen. That may, might not be as, you know, mean-spirited as it seems, but yeah. his reaction seems mean-spirited. And you start, I started thinking, like... Is he mean or is he just socially inept? Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, that's one thing he mustn't be happy about is the fact that it does make him look so totally fucking almost like he's got Asperger's syndrome. Mm-hmm. You know? He's not very social. The whole point is that he forms this website out of just spite for his ex-girlfriend, which I don't think is where it came from. And I think, it's, from what I've read, this does the guy a disservice. Mm-hmm. But um, you think that it's, you know, a lot of talking head story and a lot of like walking around stuff would just be kind of dull, but I was ripped throughout. A lot of which has to be said uh, goes to Trent Reznor. Uh, Trent Reznor and some other guy did the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And um, when there's tense confrontational moments, you totally get like Trent Reznor's the downward spiral. It sounds like someone's drilling a drill into your head. You know, you are totally in that moment, and you're like, it's like a, a, a car chase in another movie. You know, right. when you see these guys sparring. It's like, oh, where's it gonna go? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I, it's not boring in the slightest. It's really well done. Ernie Hammer, I think, is the guy's name, plays the Winklevi, mm-hmm. and he's genius playing these two guys and just the way they cut over each other and the way they talk and everything and his voice is incredibly deep and he's just great. I mean, well, I'm 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 amazed how they did that. Uh, it's just absolutely genius. Well, uh, I mean, he impressed Oliver Stone because Oliver Stone has offered him a role opposite uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in the uh, upcoming biopic of J. Edgar Hoover. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um... And uh, Mark Zuckerberg is clearly uh, concerned about um, the, uh, how, the ma- how the movie makes him look because there's a report that uh, he's going to be donating half... Oh, that was before, yeah, just before like it came half out. half of his fortune to charity. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm nice. PR stunt. Even this little picture here, I'm a nice guy. He's even said that he was interviewed on something. Look, my teeth are real. He even said, like, at one point, you know, I wish that nobody made a movie of me while I was still alive. And uh, Dustin Moskovitz, who's the character that uh, Joseph Mazzello plays, he said, like, a, a drama. Uh, he called the film a dramatization of history. It's interesting to see my past rewritten in a way that emphasizes things that don't matter. And in a way, you know, you got to think, like, 
does a twenty-seven-year-old deserve to have this kind of character assassination on him? I mean, if it was, you couldn't make yeah. it, if he if he was based in the UK, you couldn't do this to him because libel laws would come into effect yeah. and have to rename it and stuff. But like, they name Facebook, and you know, it's all the real names and stuff. So it's kind of weird about that. But um, yeah, but, it, but we do live in a time where we're a lot more insensitive to these kinds of things. Mm. You know, I mean, like it's just you know, it's information overload these days. So like it's you know, even even though it it it, it may be kind of damaging to begin with, it's. We're at we're at a point now, in you know, like where everything is the turnover of, of uh, what we feel, you know, what we get offended by is so much faster than what it used to be. Yeah, is it really nice? I think if you go into this, think about the different ways it could be taken. Don't just take him as a bad guy because there's a scene near the end where one of the lawyers, you know, she's the great line. She says, "Every creation myth has to have its devil." Yeah. And at that point, that scene is all about him realizing maybe that he might have been an ass. You're not sure whether he's realizing it or he's just working mm -hmm, around mm -hmm. it or something like that. Um, and that really brought it home to me. It was like, this movie is, and she even point paints, she's, her point is like that she's there in the deliberations, the legal deliberations, so that she could pick, a, uh, she would be there to pick, help pick a jury. Yeah. And she's just thinking of the of the way she could paint him badly in a jury, against the jury. Mm -hmm. And when she says that, you're like, oh, hang on, is this, is, this whole movie could be that. Yeah. This whole movie looks like that. And it kind of throws the whole thing into relief. And I want to see it again to see how they've, you know, that might reverberate through the beginning of it, where it's like showing that you know, this is good, this is bad, but actually it's all falsehood. So would you say there's any negative thing to the film? Like, like if you, do you have any complaints? None, none whatsoever. I mean, no. the one thing, the only complaint I would have is that it doesn't look like a David Fincher movie. Oh, I mean, really? I haven't seen um, Benjamin, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button yet. No, I mean neither. But like, considering this used to be the guy who would spend days setting up the lights on shots, this mm -hmm. is a very plain shot movie. Mm -hmm. um, well, from what, I, from what I understand, I mean, uh, I mean, I don't know about like how much time he spends like setting up shots, but uh, he's it's like a perfect circles he, video for Judith. Apparently, took as long as Fight Club. <laughs> but you want to get the lighting just right. No, but he still does like shitloads of takes. I mean, uh, I there was a, a roundtable actors interview with uh, like um, all the possible nominees, and uh, Jesse Eisenberg was like saying that uh, he's like doing fifty overtakes yeah. for, like for one line. Wow. So it's uh, he still he still is like has like a little tension. And Mark and Mark Mark Ruffalo is also there because uh, he's generated some Oscar heat for his role in The Kids Are All Right. Yeah. And they and he'd worked with Fincher on Zodiac. So he was kind of talking like, yeah, I know what you mean. And he was talking about this one scene where, you know, like after like you know take take forty plus or whatever, uh, he you know, like he's just got nothing left. And suddenly like David Fincher walks from behind the camera, walks towards him. And Mark Ruffalo is like saying like, and you just and I, and I just wanted so badly for him to come up to me and tell me I was fired. Yeah. You know, because I was just I couldn't can't do anymore. And then he walks right past me, goes to an extra, moves him a quarter of the inch, and then, <laughs> and then goes back behind the camera. <laughs> and then suddenly it dawns on me, it's like whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> I am so just a small part of his huge equation. Exactly. <laughs> so. Fuck. So the directorially, it's not showy at all. Huh? Directorially, it's not showy at all. The really? network, yeah. But so one more thing I just have to bring out is that Robert Duvall was also there uh, for his role in Get Low, uh -huh. and Robert Duvall got really angry at that—the thought that someone, that a director, would put an actor through that many takes. Because Robert Duvall's old school, and he's yeah, like, yeah. "Fuck that! I wouldn't do it. Yeah. That must be why I turned down Seven. <laughs> <laughs> 50, 50 takes. I don't understand that. I mean, like, you either know what you want or you don't. Fifty yeah. takes. What the fuck is that? Uh, I turned down seven. Now I know why. <laughs> like that kind of shit. But he was—he was genuinely 
you like visibly annoyed for his fellow actors yeah. <laughs> that a director would put them through that. That's and, a nightmare. And he started talking shit about Stanley Kubrick. Oh, no, really? After that, it's like Stanley Kubrick, same fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> started talking, you know, like uh, what, what was he like? He's like Stanley Kubrick was an actor's enemy, and that's yeah. what he said. He was an actor's enemy. I can, th- I can, I can think of a lot of actors in Stanley Kubrick's movies that would uh, disagree with that. <laughs> Maybe, but a lot of even Stanley Shelley Ke- Duvall won't, or Shelley Winters, Shelley. No, but I mean like being the, the, part the, the, of a Stanley Kubrick movie. Yeah, but what's her name from the Shelley Shelley uh, Shelley Duvall? It's Shelley Duvall. Shelley Duvall. Right? <laughs> I don't know. Hmm. Maybe. Never thought that before. <laughs> but like you know, she nearly she had she had multiple nervous breakdowns on the shot. She the, went shooting. nuts. Yeah, yeah. On the, she the, went the, nuts. Shining. She that fucked her over because she, he's like, well, she hasn't done shit can't. since. I mean, like, like, that's because he treated her like an absolute ass. And I think there's some footage that come out of that recently. In the last couple of years, there was some like behind the scenes stuff or there was yeah, some yeah, yeah. stuff. Some guys put together. Um, it's called something box or the cardboard box. Some, of that. Some guys put together like a. It's on YouTube if you look for Stanley Kubrick, and he's put together the whole thing. And yeah, the guy was fucking insane. I know. It's like having Hitler make your movie. <laughs> but anyway, you know, just thank God Stanley Kubrick didn't live long enough to do something in 3D. Yo. Can you imagine how long that shoot would, would do, take do to do a t to do a two? And he said t- <laughs> to, do a, to do a 2D movie, he took like years. Can you imagine how long he would take trying to do 3D? But to get ooh, but to get back to the social network, yeah. uh, don't let the thing, fact that it's a Facebook movie put you off. It's got little to do with that. It's just a very good human drama. Because that was the problem that I had with it is that it's a fucking Facebook movie. You know, what I mean, it's like I'm just like I remember when it was first announced. I'm like, I will not see this fucking yeah. movie. Fuck this. Oh, and Justin Timberlake's pretty good in it. Justin Timberlake's actually a pretty uh, like in the stuff that I've seen him do. I mean, even in the Love Guru, I thought uh, I thought he was all right. Who was he in Love Guru? I kind of erased that movie. He was that life. French guy. Was he that that, that French sort of the the with the handlebar mustache. I just vaguely... I don't remember that. I just and also, I don't want to remember the love girl. I just vaguely remember not hating him. Yeah. But he's good at this. I mean, in this, you want to hate him because he's a cock. Excellent. And the guy's based upon is one of the guys who uh, founded Napster. And um, they apparently have read... Because I, I did a little bit of research after That's played by uh, Andrew Garfield. No. Uh, Justin Timberlake. Yeah, Justin Timberlake. He, he, yeah. He's like this guy who founded... Uh, what you call it uh, Napster and he's all like venture capitalist and shit like that but he does come off as a massive ass you just want to hate him it's, it's very much um, Andrew Garfield is the angel on uh, Mark Zuckerberg's shoulder and uh, Justin Timberlake is the devil and the devil wins out a little bit more often alright well <laughs> surprise surprise yeah. <laughs> devil's got all the best drugs but um, yeah definitely go see this movie it's highly recommended two thumbs way up excellent yeah I will check it out um, I caught uh, Piranha the yeah. remake of the Roger Corman movie directed by Alexandra Aja. Is it Aja or Aja? Aja. Aja. Uh, yeah. I can never tell. It's like, is it Jay Silent? Was it? Well, he was the director of Mirrors. Mm. Which uh, was good. And yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed it. Mm. Uh, this movie's Jack Sparrow's trapped behind the glass. <laughs> oh, nightmares. Anyway, Piranha. This movie's awesome. Really? This movie is so much fun. I mean, it's it's completely balls out, stupid, retarded, and ridiculous. But you know but, what you get for yeah. But going it is in. so much fun. Uh, I can ima- I can only imagine how much fun it would have been on 3D. Yeah. There's some serious like fucked up shit. <laughs> so what's the story? Uh, the story is is that um, in Arizona there's a quake mm-hmm. that um, gives way to this sort of like lake beneath the lake. And all of this prehistoric fucking piranha that's been trapped there and like uh, cannibalizing on each other swim up and wreak havoc on <laughs> on all on all of the inhabitants of this small Arizona town. All these like chicks with there are no fat women <laughs> in this movie. There are no unattractive women at all. Really? Nobody is not cut in this movie. And like uh, and oh, the guys. 
Even the guys, they're all fucking, you know, like, and, you know, I didn't see any fat people in it. The only fat person in it is Ving Rhames, and even he's, like, fucking tough as shit. Is there somebody who turns up in a Jaws thing? Uh, yeah, there is a little bit of a Jaws thing in there, but it's, it's Richard Dreyfuss. Richard Dreyfuss has a cameo, yeah. uh, which is a very fun cameo. Uh, and, um... I mean, after, I, I, after seeing Red, you understand that he's at like the point of his career where he's just having a particular. Yeah, he doesn't give a fuck. He wears a beret in fucking Red. <laughs> but, I mean, but it's uh, uh, it's essentially it's about this kid, uh, Jake Forrester, who's played by this guy. He's, I think it's his first movie, uh, Stephen R. McQueen. He's the worst actor in the world. <laughs> he's fucking horrible. He looks like uh, like a young, like a young Joey Lawrence. <laughs> but he's got that Joey Lawrence smile, a Joey Lawrence face that you, you know you just want to pummel him. But you know, but he looks like a nice kid, but he can't fucking act. Is he the new Casper Van Dien? No. No, he's not even, he's not even that level. No, no. Casper Van Dien, at the very least, is cut. You know, this guy's just like a weedy, Slow. like weedy little fucker. You know, he's Joey Lawrence. Mm. Um, and uh, his mom is played by Elizabeth Shue, who also happens to be the sheriff. And uh, Ving Rhames is her deputy. And uh, basically, this guy, the, the plot is this simple. Piranhas are en route. To kill motherfuckers. Yeah. And this subplot involves this kid, Stephen, uh, the Jake Forrester. He, like, uh, he bumps into, he, you know, he's got to go pick up his uh, his little sister. And while he's and while he and uh, while he's picking up his sister, he meets Kelly Brook, who is a porn star. Uh huh. And uh, and this like and this and, How's and, that, and that ties into this whole thing that goes around spring break is that it gives you the impression that all these kids do on spring break is go to the lake, get on yachts, everyone's loaded, uh, and uh, and everyone just like wears like next to nothing and parties and dances and fox and drinks and all kinds of stupid shit. And That's what and spring break is. And there and there there are wet t-shirt competitions all over the place and it's just like. Uh, an orgy of sin. <laughs> That's what spring break is. Uh, no, well, I mean, I, I guess I went to a different part of <laughs> different part of town. <laughs> you weren't out with the popular kids in the yacht. <laughs> no. <it wasn't>. <laughs> 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 and from the moment you see all these kids, you want every single one of these bastards <laughs> to get eaten, and they do, and it's awesome. Uh, but so, like, and when he and when he meets Kelly Kelly Brook. Uh, whose name I can't remember because it's not important. Uh, he also meets Jerry. Penny. He also meets Jerry O'Connell's character, whose name is Der- who's, yeah, who's the director, producer, writer, or whatever. Uh, whose character's name is Derek Jones, and he is the big. He is the the stereotypical Hollywood asshole. Uh-huh. You know, and as soon as as soon as he meets this kid, he's like, it's like, oh, you're a local, so uh, so you know where you know your way around all this. You know all the great spots in the lake, right? And like, do you want a job? You can be our uh, location scout. Yeah. And so this kid says yes because it's an opportunity to hang out with uh, you know, hot, hot chicks. There you go. How's her acting? <laughs> I mean, well, she, do, she doesn't have to do much. <laughs> uh, she seems uh, she seems quite quite unnatural at playing a porn star. Oh, right. um, you know, she dances well. She flashes nicely. Flashes. She, she cleans up good. <laughs> um, and uh, but the only thing is, is that he's supposed to babysit his his brother and his sister, uh-huh. his kid brother and sister. Uh, and whom he pays off to pretend they're at home. Mm-hmm. But of course they don't listen and they go off on their own and that's not a subplot. Yeah. Uh, one thing I will say about the kids, this is the first time in a long time I've seen a movie where you don't hate the kids. Oh, cool. The kids are actually pretty funny. There's this nice little exchange that they have, uh, like when they're being naughty and disobeying their brother and, and uh, uh, just uh, going out into the lake. Uh, there's, I won't say what it is, you should see it, but it's a nice little exchange cool. between the two. It, that, that would, it, the dialogue would be funny if it was said by anyone. Yeah. And the kids in this movie are... In, in they most, sell it. For the most part, they sell it, and they're the most mature characters in the movie. <laughs> so you don't mind them at all. Yeah. 
And another subplot on Zoas is Elizabeth Shue has gone off with um, uh, this bunch of divers because they're going to go investigate the, the hole in the quake and like, go to the lake within a lake thing. Two divers go in there. Naturally, you know what happens. They get eaten to shit. And, um, I thought you were going to say one comes out. No. Well, one does come out. Like, some of it. Some of her. Two man, two man, two man enter, half a man lead. Something like that. But, uh, and then... After that, it's just you're just waiting for the piranhas to strike, yeah. and that's it. Christopher Lloyd turns up. He's he's uh, he's channeling Doc Brown all the fucking way. So you, 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 Is he like some expert in piranhas? Some, something like that. Oh god! <laughs> but but it's like as soon as he, the, even the way he's do his cadence in the movie, you're just waiting for him to say "Great Scott" or one point twenty one gigawatts. Great Scott. This particular type of piranha, you know, it's like that. His cadence is so dark brown, yeah. And you just it's, has he got the hair? It, no, but it's well, kind of. He's always kind of because that always freaked me out seeing Terry Wogan in the eighties or yeah, the late eighties with him on it, and he's got like his hair's just combed across, and he's wearing a suit, and he's the most uncooperative interviewee ever. And it's like this is Doc Brown. Fuck, that's <laughs> acting because this guy is the most boring. Oh, I'm Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Adam Scott. <laughs> uh, Adam Scott's in it, the lead from Party Down. Yeah. And, uh, he was in that movie, I did the review thing, the game over thing with that guy Arfanakis and everyone else that seemed quite good even though oh, it was kind uh, of shit. Operation Endgame? Operation Endgame. He's yeah. in that as well. I was like, hey, he's the guy from Party Down. Oh, he's dead. <laughs> yeah, well, he's got, a pretty, he's got a pretty major role in this one as well. All right. He's pretty good fun. Um, Elizabeth, I mean, well, one thing that is nice about this is that uh, it's a sort of a mix of kind of like X X A list actors and you know B movie actors and sort of solid ca character actors and a whole bunch of beautiful people that can't act to save their lives. Mm. But everyone seems to be in on the joke, but nobody is really phoning hamming it, it up. in, hamming it in. They're, they're playing it real, and that does add to it. Uh, the only, I mean, like, I mean, of course, you got characters like Jerry O'Connell that's very over the top, but his character's supposed to be like that. Yeah. And despite the fact that he's a complete douche, you never not like him. Because he, everything that comes out of his mouth... Is gold. ...cracks you up. Yeah. <laughs> but the great thing about this movie is the body count is huge. Yeah. And people... And you want these fuckers to get eaten. <laughs> I hated all these fucking assholes. I wanted them to get eaten, and they get eaten in the best possible way. There's some great deaths. Yeah. There's some great fucking deaths. I mean, like, there's this one kid who's like, fuck it, and he tries to, like, uh, just speedboat his way past all these fuckers, and he's tearing people apart on the engine. And and then and then like the engine stops, and this chick has got her hair caught in the engine. Oh shit! And he keeps trying to start it and start it, and he pulls her face off. <laughs> <laughs> Not her head off, her face. Oh and, fuck! And it's like, oh, it's fucked up. You know, you got there's this guy uh, like uh, helping this other guy like run off the beach. It's okay, it's okay. Robo's there, Robo's, and he's just running. And then suddenly you pan down, and he realized that he's just got a skeleton left on his leg, oh. and he's like, and he's running with his. Oh, it's just it's it's. So painful, and it's and it's also one of those things that it's just it's the worst imaginable way to go. Yeah, to just have all of these fucking like piranhas just chewing at every fucking orifice. Like I mean, like there, there's some great death scenes in it. And so great it's, gore. It's a great old school B movie. Yeah, great old school B, uh, and yeah, very funny. Very funny. The, I mean, the, it's the it's gore to the point where you're laughing at the death. Yeah, at the death count, and the Jerry O'Connell death is awesome. That's not a spoiler. It's it's it's. You Everybody know, you know he's movie. gonna die. No character. This no. <laughs> this assholey. Yeah. As soon as he comes on screen, you're like, this guy's gonna get fucked. <laughs> and he does die like a fucking amazing death. Um, I mean, like that. Uh, there was that whole thing like about uh, about involving his cock. Yeah. 
It's funny how that does make an appearance. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say that uh, I wish I had 3D glasses for that. Oh, fuck. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean, highly recommend. It's it's a great. Even in 2D, it's a good fun movie. Even in 2D, it's a great fun movie. It's so, you know, again, have a few beers at the mates round. Have, have a few beers. Have a couple of tokes. You'll be good to go. Sweet. It's not gonna win any Oscars. Okay. <laughs> Um, anything. <laughs> another movie which we thought would be like this, but has turned out slightly differently, is Jonah Hex, which I saw as well. Mm-hmm. This is Josh Brolin playing Jonah Hex. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a weird ass movie. It's a Western thing, but and you should think of Loki <coughs> Wiki Wild Wild West because um, it is almost as bad as that. Um, it's just a, he's, he's fucking. He does something. And this is never entirely clear. He does something in the war. He fights on the the bad side in the in the civil war in the U.S. He's on the what the Union mm-hmm. as opposed to the Yankees. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, he, he fucks up and shit. And John Malkovich gets pissed off and burns a whole a brand onto his face. And yeah. it turns out later that that's not the cause of the scarring he has because John X is a Marvel comic character. DC. DC comic character and he has a very distinctive facial shit like you can see his teeth through it for fuck's sake it's like half his cheek is missing but it's like he gets that trying to remove the brand right but it's never entirely clear what he did to piss like he, I, we know he somehow managed to get John Malkovich's brother killed but what he actually, what actually he did doesn't seem to make sense right. I think it's something about surrendering to the Yankees and shit or something like that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but um, the insane thing about this movie is the cast it's a great cast. <clears throat> it's fantastic. You got Josh Brolin. You got John Malkovich as the bad guy. Megan Fox. Yeah. Michael, uh, Fassbender. Michael Fassbender is great in this. He's like an Irish thug, and he's got that whole you know Ishmael fucking tattoo shit going on. Yeah, yeah, got yeah, his yeah, chin yeah, and yeah, downwards, yeah. and he's brilliant. And he's like a, he's a henchman, but he's not a dumb henchman. He figures like he's the one who's like who steps back and lets the other guys go in to get minced. Yeah. You know, and he's got a very cheeky bowler hat. <laughs> No, I mean I've seen I've seen the uh, uh, photo stills of his character. It looks good. Yeah, and he's got the cheeky chappy Irish thing going on. It's pretty funny. Um, Will Arnett turns up for fuck's sake. Yep. In a kind of serious role, but I've seen Running Wild, and I can't take that guy serious ever again. I know, I know. It's terrible. And that show's fucking awful. And Wes Bentley is in it. Yeah, Wes Bentley's in it as a whining bitch. Um, and Aiden Quinn turns up as President Grant, and Lance Reddick, who is. Uh, pretty good in the wire I've seen so far and he is the fucking bomb in Fringe season 2 Lance Reddick is the skinny creepy black guy from Lost as yep, well yep. if you've seen him it's like you, he looks like a walking skeleton but he's fucking great and in this he just turns out he's fucking you know he's Whistler yep. he's the guy who makes the gadgets which that which uh, there is a little bit of gadget show in this which Jonah Hex uses once and then throws away it's like dynamite fucking crossbows that light it as you fire it and it's retarded uh, the uh, thing from the trailer that pissed us off was when the horse with the Gatling guns that happens very early on yeah um, but it's just an odd fucking movie I mean like yeah it's got this guy quest for revenge yada yada also we- weapons of mass destruction are involved basically a giant fucking revolver is built and shit yeah because it's a weapon that the, they were going to build but never did they got like Edison or some fucker to in- invent it but um the weird thing is that it, uh, you know he well, he's saved by Indians twice. So the first he's saved by Indians, which is why he can talk to the dead. He touches the dead and they come back and he can fuck with them, like before he releases them. But like he gets saved by them again, which is a bit convenient. And um, when he's actually having the big battle with John Malkovich, yep. it's cutting to the, the, throughout the movie they're cutting to this like uh, coffin on a red sand plane. And they're cutting back to this throughout, and it's like, was that him or is that uh, the the guy who he got killed? Or what the fuck is this going on here? And when it comes to the big boss battle, where you want to be focused on his fight against this guy, mm-hmm. it's splitting to the two of them like dueling metaphysically on the fucking spiritual plane. 
Oh, right. And it makes, you know, so like he's getting beat down in the real world, he's getting beat down in the other world, but it's still John Malkovich beating him and there's nothing different apart from Red Sand. It's like they cut it in there for no fucking reason. Huh. It's just odd. But yeah, so it's just, it's just weird. Um, yeah, it's not as, I wouldn't say it's as bad as people made out to be. It's not complete fucking trash. I mean, there's, you know, there's a few funny lines. That, like I said, Michael Fassman is great in it. Um, John Malkovich is chewing on the fucking scenery and Aiden Quinn gets a nice Aiden Quinn does quite well as President Grant but, what's, um, what's Megan Fox up to? Hook her with a heart Hook, I know but does she play it well? Yeah kinda She does? That's yeah, alright Because I mean she looked like she was fucking terrible from the trailers mm. but I mean like uh, the, the, does the trailer sell her short? She doesn't need that big a role Oh. Yeah, so it's just, I mean, it is a big enough role, but it, just, it didn't leave any kind of, it didn't leave a good taste or a bad taste. In so does it feel like a movie that was fucked up, like in post, or, or like the studio meddling, or that whole like, thing with the back and forth of the climactic fight scene definitely seems like meddling. Whether yeah. that, but that maybe was something that should have been done earlier or something like that, or show his, you know, his fucking wanderings and his fucking soul playing. Because even jo- even Josh Brolin has has gone on record and saying that uh, when he went into it, this he was like, this is a movie that could be awesome. Yeah. It could be a train wreck. Yeah. You know, because like. Because didn't he? I mean, because didn't he have the original directors fired, Neville Dean and Taylor? They were supposed to direct it. I'm not they? sure. Yeah, because they worked on the script. Is the second time that's happened? Oh no, that was just that one. Yeah. That yeah. One. They worked on Ghostwriter as well. Well, I mean, they are they are doing Ghostwriter. No, but they, I think they were involved in the script for Ghost, the first Ghostwriter, weren't they? Were they? I think they were. No, 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 no. That was all Mark Stephen Johnson. Oh, okay. That was all Mark Stephen Johnson. Yeah, <laughs> all the blame. <laughs> but yeah, avoid this movie like the clap. <laughs> is the is the quick rundown? Okay. Cool. Um, uh, for a long time I've wanted to watch uh, this movie The Town yeah. which is the second film directed by Ben Affleck after um, the very very good Gone Baby Gone what's gone on with that nun oh it's bank robber <laughs> and uh, well first off uh, Gone Baby Gone was no fluke yeah. this is a very very well made film sweet and what's nice about it is that all of the things that um, I that made Gone Baby Gone such a unique film in the sense that it's commitment to realism yeah that is exactly that is exactly what makes this movie so good because the plot is nothing new. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it's your, it's your, it's your typical, uh, you know, almost, you could almost say cliched tale of the last, you know, the last hurrah, the, the last bank job before the guy goes straight. Yeah, and uh, it's revolves around uh, Ben Affleck, who is basically the leader of the group. Uh, Jeremy Renner plays uh, his best friend Jem, who's also like the wild card of the team. This other guy, Slane, who was uh, also in Gone Baby Gone as Albert Glonsky McGlone. Oh, was he just Slane? <laughs> yeah. Nothing else? Yep. Puck. And um, Owen, Owen Burke as Desmond Eldon. And uh, basically... That's the crew. That's the crew. I mean, they are fucking top-notch. And uh, the movie opens with an amazingly, am- amazingly cool... Uh, a heist sequence yeah. in which we're introduced to the Rebecca Hall character that uh, they later have to go and like who ties into the ties into the plot a little later on uh, and there's um, and it is ba- and basically like these guys know their shit and uh, John Hamm is the FBI agent who's after them mm-hmm. uh, Blake Lively turns up as this chick Krista who is uh, Ben Affleck's on again off again sort of fuck um, and it's in, I mean the, the backbone of the story is that it's actually a love story uh, between Ben Affleck and Rebecca Hall, because what happens is that in the uh, the opening sequence, uh, they take her hostage because someone flips the uh, the fire alarm. So just in case the cops the cops wall them in, they're gonna need her. They take her hostage and they let her go at the beach, and then they drive off. And, and but they also steal her uh, driver's license. Uh-huh. And so Jeremy Renner sees the driver's license, and that she just lives a few blocks away. So there, he's a little panicked. He says he's gonna go and stalk her. Ben Affleck says, I'll do it, because he's already got two strikes against him. If he gets one more, he goes in for life. Yeah. And 
And uh, in the process of uh, stalking her and trying to figure out whether or not she knows anything, they develop a relationship and they end up falling in love with each other. Wow. Uh, and that's essentially the back backbone of the story. And then peppered with their, you know, the jobs that they do in between. And of course, the big fucking job at the end in which they rob Fenway Park. Oh, wow. Which is an insane... Oh, so it's a Boston movie. Yeah, it is a Boston movie. I mean, and that's and that's another thing about this film is that uh, Ben Affleck is very much taking... Shout out to the Southies. He's very much taking the Scorsese route in the sense that uh, not since Scorsese has a city been so much of a character in a director's film. Really? You know, uh, I mean, and, and I say this as someone who's never even been to Boston. Yeah. You know, but yet you really get a feel for the place. Um, there's an there's one of the better car chase sequences I've seen in a long time, and it's largely because of the uniqueness of the arc of, of the the architecture of Boston itself, with all these very narrow roads. It's so it's such a claustrophobic uh, car chase. So they worked on Calm Ave then. No, but it's I was a big wide fucking road. But I was uh, fortunate enough to catch it with the uh, beauty queen from Mars, and she just happens to be here right now, so maybe she'd like to give us her take on it. <laughs> oh, was that her earlier, was it? <laughs> that was her early on. Oh. <laughs> no, it was, it was a really good movie. From, from the start, you see Ben Affleck. I mean, his body is so cut for this movie. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Wow, so thanks for your input. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it, he, I mean, it, it, was the last movie you reviewed? There was someone cutting that as well, Ryan wasn't Reynolds. There? Yeah, yeah, there we go. His abs look like boxes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, they are square. They're not round abs, they're square abs. It's insane how cut he is. And he's slightly, I mean, he's graying and he's slightly older, which makes him, I mean, the character that he's playing is just so, so apt. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he knows his shit and he's, you know, like, because uh, I mean, we forget sometimes, like, uh, you know, because we we still think of Ben Affleck and Matt Damon as the kids from Goodwill Hunting, <laughs> or Benefer, you know, or Benefer. Uh, but you know, we forget that these guys are, you know, they're they're about, you know, they're approaching forty. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're they're getting on, and uh, Ben Affleck has started to gray a bit. He started to have a few extra lines, and it suits him. He looks a lot more weathered. You know, it's like you can take him seriously in this role, whereas five years ago you might not have been able to. Yeah. Uh, and and it's a very very understated performance. Uh, I mean, the acting in this movie is top-notch. It was recently awarded the, uh, the Best Cast Award at the National uh, Board of Review. Yeah. Uh, and um, in recent weeks, has become a very, very strong contender for the Oscars, and it deserves it. It deserves it. There's, I mean, like some people have uh, compared it to The Departed in the sense like it's another Boston crime film, but, mm -hmm. but this one's a much more personal story. Uh, it never, you know, it's like, it's not so much about espionage and like intrigue and all that kind of shit. It is very much about the, the relationships between these men, the relationship between Ben Affleck and his dad, played by Chris Cooper, who's got an amazing, he's only in it for one scene, but it's an amazing scene. Chris Cooper's cool. Uh, the relationship between uh, Re Rebecca Hall is, uh, between Ben Affleck and Rebecca Hall, it rings true, it never feels forced. And you can really, all of the things that I really loved about uh, Gone Baby Gone is sort of in there. It's like he has, he's just got this way of, fr of making a movie in, in a way that, the way he frames things is like it's never flashy, but it feels clever. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's a very interesting way of sort of approaching things. Uh, that and it's and it's a very unique voice. And you know, he he manages to make a very sort of tired concept feel fresh. Cool. You know, the way that this movie plays out is that even though you know, you kind of know what's going to happen, is that you still it has a way to make it not see see it coming. You know, yeah. you, you don't really see it coming. How it's you know ultimately. Have, you have a rough idea of ultimately what's going to come, but you have no idea how they're going to get there. Cool. And that's a, that's a strength that the movie has. And like I said, the acting is great. And there's, the dialogue is really good. 
Uh, I mean, there's one standout line where, um, where where Rebecca Hall just kind of figure out what's going on, uh, largely because she's told. <laughs> and uh, you know, and there's the, there's the usual sort of obligatory like, you know, you fucking lied to me, get the fuck out of my face, never want to see you again type of thing. But I love you secretly. And then and then and then there's a later scene after yeah. that where Ben. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's a later scene after that where Ben Affleck is like, you know, ask me anything you want, I'll never lie to you. It's like, you know, it's like I won't believe you. It's like, yes, you will. It's like, why? Because you'll fucking hate the answers. Mm. <laughs> and and it was such a you know it's cool yeah it's such a I mean like there's really good dialogue in it. He's a co-writer on this. He's a co-writer on it uh, along with uh, Aaron Stanford who he uh, was wrote. Was that based in the book? Hmm? It's, it, based it's based on a novel by Chuck Hogan. The no- name of the novel is uh, Prince of Thieves. Oh. And uh, Peter Craig did the first draft because uh, uh, Ben Affleck has said in interviews that when he came onto the project there was a, there was already a script. Yeah. And along with Aaron Stanford, his uh, writing partner from Gone Baby Gone, they rewrote it. Oh, cool. um, but Ben Affleck knows how to stage an action sequence, and uh, what's nice about this is uh, so he doesn't learn from Kevin Smith. Then. No, <laughs> and at the same time, you know, like he's learned what not to do from Michael Bay as well. Mm. Like his experience working with Michael Bay has definitely taught him a few things in terms of restraint. <laughs> you know, because one thing that I did really like about this film is that there is a score, but you never notice it. Oh, sweet. You know, like mo- I would like all of the action sequences. It felt like there was no score at all. And, uh, and, and, and even in a lot of the dialogue sequences, the, the music score seems to be there almost as, transi- as a transitional sort of thing. Mm. You know, so it's, it's like the, uh, the score is there to take you from one scene, from the end of one scene into another. But once that scene starts, there is no score. Yeah. And it's amazing how far that goes into rooting the film in realism. Because that's something from the, uh, from, from the beginning of the film, that's, all, that's already made incredibly clear is that we're going real with this. Yeah. Uh, the, the movie opens with a couple of quotes from various people. Uh, the first quote being the stuff that's from the trailer and the poster is that there is one town in Boston that has uh, gener- uh, produced more bank robbers than you know, at its Charlestown. What's well, Charlestown, yeah. Yeah. And then the next quote is, um, is from a, a Charlestown native from the Boston Globe where it says, uh, I'm, I'm proud that I'm from Charlestown. It ruined my life, literally, but I'm proud. Yeah. <laughs> and it immediately sets the tone. I used to read the Boston Globe on Sundays. It was the size of the fucking phone book. <laughs> yeah, I've seen the Boston Globe. Never read it. I've seen it. Yeah. Like, I'm no, like, on Sundays, literally, it's fucking that thick. Oh, I'm, yeah? I'm making the hand gestures of a very thick thing. Yeah. <laughs> Something thicker than the Bible. Yes. <laughs> no, it's ridiculous. It's like, okay. It's, who, like, it's like two feet thick. There's ten, there's, there's ten of us, and we have. Do uh, you want a section? Here you go. Have finance. <laughs> They'll keep you. But it is a very, very solid film. I mean, and like I said, like uh, he just makes Boston look. They're like the coolest place on earth, and and, I, and I've always loved the Boston accent. Mm. There's something about the Boston accent that, and this is going to sound terrible, but it, it feels a little blue collar, mm-hmm. and that also helps really root it. Well, it is. I, but you know, I mean, there's got to be. Stuff I've worked with forklift drivers in Boston, and yeah, I mean, like, what, what, what's wrong with Jimmy today? Well, I think he's doing speed balls on the jacks. Oh, okay, fair enough. That's why he's driving his forklift radically. <laughs> um, but yep. you know, one guy every morning would drive past you on his forklift and go, "Hi, how are ya?" That's the way they talk. It's awesome. Want to get some wicked pissing bears? <laughs> I mean, the one actor who doesn't really, uh, the one actor who kind of like uh, is a little inconsistent with the accent is John Hamm. Really? Yeah. But the thing is, is that he does the accent all right. It's just that he doesn't always do it. Oh, really? There are some scenes where he sounds like John Hamm from Mad Men, and then yeah. there are other scenes where he's doing, he's got a Boston accent. I mean, Rebecca Hall is clever enough to steer clear of the accent. <laughs> I mean, she just does a straight up transatlantic. She's an educated American. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Even Ben Affleck, uh, his his accent is not. It, it feels a little soft. He softened it. He doesn't pack his can half it square. Nah, nah. 
But I think I read somewhere where most, even in Gone Baby Gone, he used a lot of people that were from the city or the yeah. place that he shot it. And a lot of people from this movie, I think some were incarcerated and they just got out. Yeah, and just yeah. put them in as extras. Yeah, yeah. So th- I guess that's why it's real, real. Yeah, yeah. Were you saying the guy in, in the Fenway Park was the security? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I mean that that that, that involves like uh, the you know when they hit Fenway Park, there's this guy who gives them the way in, mm-hmm. and apparently I remember like uh, I think it was on the uh, Tonight Show or it was if it was on Jimmy Kimmel or something where Ben Affleck was saying that that guy is actually like uh, um, uh, he was either like head of security or he was the guy that was showing them around Fenway Park to begin to begin with. And they just thought he's kind of cool. That's probably no, no. He played. He 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 straight out came and asked. Oh really? Yeah. He's like, so is there a part in this movie for me? It's like, well, actually, yeah, there is the guy. So that's the guy. This is passed by Fenway Park everywhere. Work. Another actor that I should mention is that Pete Postlewaite is in this. Really? And he's awesome. He's is he Boston? Uh, no, he's, he's he's Irish. Oh right. Yeah. And well, he, that's kind of the same thing. Yeah. And, and his name is uh, f- uh, Fergus Fergie Colm, and he's a cunt. <laughs> he's, he, a he's a florist. All right. He's the florist. I mean, but he's basically like he's a uh, kingpin. Know, yeah, he's the he's, he's the kingpin. Uh, and he's he's a cunt. You just hate him on sight. <laughs> Not the nice man from the from in the name of the father. Or brushed off. Do you know if he's Irish? No, he's English. He's English. He's English. Yeah, we we, we, we couldn't we didn't know I mean, if he was English or Irish. He got be English or Irish, but he's definitely English. Postlethwaite. Postlethwaite. If it was O Postlethwaite, maybe, but not really. Uh, but um, I mean, I, I I hope that this uh, movie gets some Oscar love. Yeah. Because um, it's a very very solid film. And Actor, Jer- acting and directing. Uh, Jeremy Renner should get a supporting Oscar nod. Um, you know, I mean, like uh, I I mean, I just hope I mean, like editing. I mean, the editing is very cool. The way the action sequences are done. I mean, and it would be nice to see uh, you know Ben Affleck get a nod for best director, but yeah. I doubt that will happen. Really. Well, I mean, with all the other movies that are coming out, I mean, yeah. it's difficult to say, but the movie has gained a lot of traction in the Oscar race in recent weeks. Cool. But yeah, highly recommended. Sweet. Uh, we'll keep the tone serious for a little bit, if you don't mind. Okay. And I'll uh, <laughs> talk about uh, The Winter's Bone. You're talking about how this is very much, uh, the town very much has Boston as a, a character in the story. Mm-hmm. This also very much has an area in America called the Ozarks as a character in the story, and the character is a cunt. <laughs> so... <laughs> This is, this is a story of a uh, 17-year-old Ree Dolly, who, um, she's got two kids to look after, her mom's psychic, psychic, uh, fucking psych, fucked up in the head, and um, she's got to look after the kids, and her dad's never around, and it turns out that her dad has been done for something, and he has put the house up for bail, and so his court date is coming up, and if he doesn't make the court date, they're going to take the house, and these people are the poorest people ever shown in the cinema. Like literally they go hunting squirrels and they eat the squirrels. Oh no. They literally go out and they, you know, shoot down the squirrel guns and stuff like that. And what the, the, the core point of the story is that she wants to find her dad. She's gonna find him and she's gonna make him go to this fucking court case because she cannot lose the house. She's barely holding it together as it is. She's only 17 years old mm-hmm. and she's barely holding it together as it is. And she goes around the family to find out what, where he is and like, the family are the biggest assholes you've ever met in your entire. They're all addicted to meth. Her dad's a meth cooker. <laughs> you know, I think that's that, That's actually what the winter's phone is. Because like at one point she says to someone, "He's still in the bone." Who's like, "No, I keep it a long time ago." Yeah. And uh, I mean, like uh, the the daughter's played by Jennifer Lawrence, and hers is also a performance that's been gaining a lot of traction. In yeah, the yeah. I mean, you know, they say, "What what, what was it?" Uh, Michelle Rodriguez's line. What do you mean, get raped and get an Oscar? Yeah. She gets the shit kicked out of her in this movie by her relatives because she's. They, t- they tell her, "Don't go poking." 
He's like, I want to talk to Granddaddy. And well, she's like, well, you, you can't talk to him. And then um, she's told that by Dale Dickey. You know Dale Dickey? Who mm-hmm. looks fucked up all the time yeah, anyway? Yeah, yeah. And she is fucked up in this. And she's just like, comes out of a house, throws a cup of coffee in the girl's face, and then drag her off to beat the shit out of her. And when, when her when her uncle per, per, uh, Teardrop turns up, he's like, well, no, none of the boys welled on her. We women did it. And it's like, well, fuck you women are hard. Because <laughs> they beat the ever-living. She's like, literally, for like a, the middle part of the movie, she's picking teeth out of like she gets, it's horrible what they do to her. And she's just trying to find her fucking dad. Find out what's going on there. And you see like, as you missed out with some of the squirrel hunting and they're just trying to, they're borrowing food and wood off the mm-hmm. neighbors. They're talking about, well, if they're gonna take the land, should we sell the wood first? And she's like begging with her mom, can you help me mom this one time? And mom's just staring at the space. There's nothing there. So 17 year olds handle all this shit. And it's, and uh, I mean, and she's also uh, playing Mystique in, um, in X- the X-Men, yeah. in X-Men First Class. Exactly. So I think it's very much an a Paquin kind of role. I mean, this is a very much... And she's in The Beaver. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> the movie. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, this is, not a, this is not, I'd say, a fun ride like maybe uh, the first movie we reviewed, but like, like Piranha, but like, it was very interesting to watch and it's very much, you know, it's, everyone's acting each other, acting great. Uh, what's his name? Uh, John Hawks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plays Uncle Teardrop. He's, and he's good. He's very good in this. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not even sure there's some Oscar heat on that as well. He's like, at first, everyone everyone just fucking, everyone ignores her or fucking tells her to fuck off. And she has to work through that. And he's the same and he slowly warms to her and so like that because she's kin. Because mm-hmm. apparently this family is like, you know, it's, it's all about the blood. But when it comes to this shit, they're not fucking talking about it. And like, there is a, you know, it, it get that, that has a, that is a very much a through line to the movie. That has a huge point to play later on. And that someone did something they shouldn't have done against the blood. So I, I can't remember if it was uh, the review in Empire or Total Film, but uh, there was um, some comparison to uh, Brick. In, in a way, I mean, I was going to say that myself actually just a minute ago. I was thinking of that. Um, it's not as it, Brick was very much a homage to noir films. Yeah, yeah. This is not a homage. I mean, there is she is still like hunting down somebody, but they don't play on that at all. Mm. It's more just the horrifying depths that you have to go through when you're poor to find out what the fuck's going on when your family's fucked. But uh, very, very good. Everyone acts very, very well. It is definitely not like, you know, have a few beers and have the lads around for a laugh uh, kind of movie. There are one or two funny bits, but not much in there. And it's just, it shows how cripplingly poor some people are in the world. Right. Um, but yeah, I would... No, there are certain real buttfuck parts of America that just <laughs> travel advisory if you ever get a cheap trip to the Ozarks fucking turn it down because this place is Hicksville but it's fucking cold it's fucking just full of assholes they're all on meth no one everyone <laughs> the, the cops are looked down on as scum like it's like you know yeah you, you pulled me over for nothing it's like you could just talk to the guy and the cop is uh, Garrett Dillahunt. I don't think you'll be getting hired to like yeah, no, be their they're, 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 consultant. The, the Ozarks tourism you. board, this is not doing them any favor. We want you, you know, to Gar- be the guy you know, to Gar- turn our image around. You know Garrett Dillahunt? Hmm? Garrett Dillahunt, he was in like Burn Notice, he was in Terminator, the TV show. He looks like the guy, he looks like the guy who was in Six Feet Under, but he's not quite. If I saw him, I'd probably recognize yeah. him. The name uh, he's pretty good in this as a cop, but it's, it's, it's just like, you know, these guys are like, when they get pulled over the cops, the first reaction is, don't come up to the window, I have a gun. That's how fucked up they are. It's literally like, you probably just pulling me over for speeding slightly, but fuck it, I am going to be as hostile as possible. And everyone is as hostile as possible. And she's got to pull this shit together, look after the two kids. It's very much, it's definitely an art movie. There's a lot of shots of the kids playing on the tramp- trampoline. I'm like, again, why did they have a trampoline for that poor? But never mind. Um, 
but definitely well worth a watch. Jesus. Do you have something else? No. Oh, I am. <laughs> I also saw Harry Potter 7A. <laughs> That's just someone else's joke, I'm stealing it. Um, Harry Potter and the Deadly Hallows Part 1. Uh, I got to see this recently, and so if you haven't seen the Harry Potters now, what are you doing living under a rock? What the fuck's going on? Um, the whole story is that, you know, in the last movie, Dumbledore was killed by someone. Mm-hmm. Um, shit is hitting the fan. He who shall not be named, Voldemort, is on the ascension. But don't, don't you think that no, Vol- that Ray Fiennes in Harry Potter looks like Michael Jackson? No, no. <laughs> when I saw the trailer for Deathly Hallows, that's, all, that's the only thing I could think is like, it's Michael Jackson. Before he died, did he look like that? I'm wondering if this is, this is a side effect of coming back or what. I don't know. But anyway... This is one of the best Harry Potter movies I've seen. Uh, the other one, I mean, the first one has to set up the whole Hogwarts thing. Hogwarts is not even in this. You don't even see Hogwarts. This is Harry Potter on the run. Because literally, this shit has hit the fan. The Ministry of Magic has been taken over by Voldemort's people. So, literally, the establishment is the enemy. He's literally Al-Qaeda on the run. Only in much more scenic English places rather than the desert. And um, watching this movie, I was thinking, why didn't they do this three books ago? This is awesome, you know, they're like fucking, they're apparated from one, from the wedding of like wizarding and uh, wizarding and everyone's like, oh, 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 and then shit happens and they disappear and they reappear, reappear in uh, Piccadilly Circus. And from that point onwards, it's very much kids on the run. And that works really, really well. I mean, that, why didn't they do this earlier? This is like, I was hooked. You get to see, I mean, there is an element of, yes, they've had to build up, mm-hmm. but Seriously, did anyone see No, after book? a while, I mean, because like, that, I mean, that's what happened with me. I, I sort of lost patience both with the books and the films. I mean, I with, with the books, I read up up until Goblet of Fire. Yeah. And then after a while, I'm just like, fuck, I can't handle another hundred page chapter on Quidditch. Yeah. You know, it's like, where's the, what's going on? I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I can sort of see an ending somewhere, but like, fuck, seven books? Are you insane? Uh, it's gonna be weird how this movie plays out with people because there's there is no Quidditch. There's a snitch, but no Quidditch. Right. Um, Quidditch. Snitch. <laughs> you know, there's no Quidditch. As I said. You see the train to Hogwarts, but that's it. Neville has a nice role there, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it is... Yes, the build-up is great. You get to see... Having Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, and Rupert Grint... Rupert Grint, yeah. ...doing this. Mm-hmm. When you think back to when they started it, they yeah. were so small. Yeah, yeah. And such kids. That is now, kind of scary in the sense, like, when you see... Uh, what, the the poster for the first movie and how fucking young they all yeah, are. Yeah, they look ridiculous. You know, you know and, then, and then now, like... Uh, nice, and they've actually all grown up pretty nicely as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they still, none of them has grown up to be completely horrible looking, yeah. you know? <laughs> Which is a real stroke of luck. Yeah, yeah. It works out. We really, the producers are betting on that. But, but, tell me about your jeans. But um, yeah, I mean, it's great to see them as the one thing being I adults and running around and dealing with each other as kind of semi adults, but still being like little kids inside. And from what I understand, there's a lot more conflict this time around, is that the three of them don't necessarily always get along. No. They do doubt each other, and yeah. there is sort of, you know, so, and how's that played out? Is that nice? That's nice. I mean, Rupert Grint does fucking storm off. Ron has enough at one point, and it's like, what? what? But he, he is, there is a thing as well. That, so the thing about this movie is that they've started to decide, right, we have to. Voldemort can't die because he split his soul into seven pieces called Horcruxes right so Harry's killed two has killed one and he knows where the other one is but they could be anything yeah like one was a book the other's a locket right so the whole point is we've got to find these and we've got to destroy them right um, and and what is and, I mean, and uh, so like I'm, so they just get one they don't know they had one from one of the previous books right I can't remember which one because they blur into one um, but they have one from before they have to dig it up again but then they figure out how to destroy it and uh, 
There is, there, you cut the movie, I cut the movie a lot of slack because I spent the first half trying to remember what happened in the previous movie. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, uh, oh, my, that movie's in. Oh, he's dead. Oh, never mind. Oh, so if you've sort of like missed out on the last one or the last two, you should catch up. You should, but there is absolutely no explanation at all. It starts off like there's a, there's a point which is RAB, mm-hmm. I think, which came up in one of the previous books where it's like they had the, there was the, some, something was signed by RAB and you figure out how that is, but I was like, where did that come up? I can't really remember who R.A.B. Where was, yeah. and like it literally starts as it means to go on with Emma Watson erasing her parents' memory so that they won't get in trouble because they're muggles. Right. I'm also thinking there's got to be a movie out there about the war between the fucking real world and the muggles because uh, the fucking the muggles and the the wizards because these guys are fucking shit up. Like they're just going crazy and shit. Like I mean, the beginning, the movie starts with like the Weasleys, not the Weasleys, what they call the Purdies, the fucking assholes who treat Harry like shit. And they're like on the, uh-huh. they're they're leaving, and leaving Harry too because so they know it, shit's this is this is going. Oh, so they're still around then. They are, but just for that bit. And I have heard there's a bit in the book that's not in there where like you know the, the son does say something about you saved me that one time from those dementors and shit because they are idiots. Yeah, but no, they like are. they're they fucked off. They they want nothing more to do with this. You know, even this fucking owl gets fucking killed. Fiona Shaw <laughs> and Richard Griffiths, Uncle Monty. Uncle Monty. <laughs> I mean to have you if it must be burglary. <laughs> as a as a youth, I used to weep in butcher shops. <laughs> but yeah, he doesn't get anything to do. Snape gets very little to do as well. It's pretty much focused on the kids. Although I am worried that like, okay, this is so we've one movie left to go, and we've got five Horcruxes left to go. So they're gonna. It's I guess the last installment will be the all-out action one. Well, they've heard that there is a big battle coming apparently, and there is some shit in this. Like people die. Mm-hmm. Shit, shit goes down. How's Rupert Grint? He's good. He's that's, always good. That's the one thing I'm, I've, been, I've always been grateful for the Harry Potter series. It introduced Rupert Grint. Yeah, like he does get injured, and that's part of his crankiness. And then if you wear the, they have to carry the Horcrux. They have to carry it between them because it makes you kind of cranky. He was my. I knew he. I mean, like he was my favorite. He wasn't my favorite character in the books. No. But he he is my favorite character in the movies because when I remember when I saw the, the movie, he he provided me with the only laugh I had in it. Yeah. When they get to school and there's a cat and the cat turns into Maggie Smith and he goes, "That was bloody brilliant." Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There is a lot, there's, there's, there's stuff in that like this. It's like I say with the Sherlock, you'd like Sherlock because um, the guy from the office, mm. Martin, Martin Freeman, he basically plays that role throughout Sherlock. He's like, when Sherlock does his whole, well, he has a scuff on his toe, so I know he got on the train at a certain place. And also, if you see his left index finger, he has a missing from a ring, so we know he was married, but he might have taken it off. You know, that kind of shit. Mm. And then Martin Freeman goes, that was really well done. And he's like, well, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the next one uh, at this point now. I'm also interested in seeing some of the other ones to remind myself of what the fuck happened in those. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a very different movie. It's, I'm not sure how it's going to play with people because it's so different. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, well worth seeing. Oh, cool. Probably one of the best one. You got something? Yeah. Oh. I've done my reviews. Oh, I also saw, I also have <laughs> a quick review of Despicable Me. I saw Despicable Me as well. Uh-huh. Um, this is okay. quite funny. I'm, I'm wondering how. I'm, I'm interested to see Megan Mine see how it compares, but uh, you know, it is quite funny. Although uh, Jason Siegel is unrecognizable in his character. Um, it's the story of Gru, who is a supervillain, and he wants to up the other supervillains, mm-hmm. and he needs to get three kids to in order to put, facilitate his plan. Mm-hmm. The minions in this, if you've seen any of the trailers, little yellow fucking che- Cheetos guys are fucking hilarious, and the kids are hilarious as well when they're like moving out of the um, orphans' home. They're like, oh, my caterpillar never turned into a butterfly. And they're like, that's a Cheeto. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is quite nice. The kids are very cool. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, my girlfriend loved it a little, more than, a little bit more than I did. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think it was as funny as it should have been. It needs to be more funny. Also, just to make a movie about the minions, you've got a, you've got a fucking comedy goal with those guys. There's yeah. hundreds of them. But they all have names, which is genius. It's like, I don't know whether Gruen made these things or what, but like, it's like they're, they're all bitching about their pay. And like, you know, it's like, hey, Phil, stop doing that. You know, it's like, it's Phil and Steve and Carl. You know what I mean? It's like telling the guys, he knows exactly which one they are, mm-hmm. even though they all look alike. <laughs> So they actually have like voices. They're not just like making fun. Yeah, they, 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 they make some like weird little kind of poo yeah, poo yeah. They little kind of their own language. But mm-hmm. then there's, there's a scene where it's like, look, if you shut up, we'll get pizza. And they're like the kids and the minions in because the minions are supposed to be taking looking after the kids and they're doing a terrible fucking job. Mm-hmm. And the minions and the kids all together say, stuffed crust. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so. Uh, I didn't see it in 3D, um, but I definitely recommend watching it. It's a good bit of fun. Um, I'm interested to see Megamind to see how it compares, because obviously it's a similar kind of thing. It's the yeah. comet effect. Yeah. Um, bad guys as good guys, but um, yeah, it's pretty good. Definitely worth watching. All right. Who plays the old guy? Someone famous does, and he's pretty cool as well. There's an old guy who invents things, and he's like totally English. Russell Brand's in it. Is he? Yeah. Who the fuck does he play? I was like weirded out when I saw it. Oh, he plays the old guy, <laughs> which is English. He's got his English accent. He's, but I was like the whole way through. I was like, it wasn't Russell Brand. It was like, all right, governor, we got to make so you want some you want some cookie robots. You know what I mean? So that was just that freaked me out. Just trying to pin the voices on people. But uh, yeah, well worth a watch. Okay. So that's that ends here. At the end of the lesson. Um, if you'd like to send any comments our way, you can email us at podcast at mcyappinfries.com. That's podcast at mcyappinfries.com. And we'll just wrap things up with the uh, box office results. Oh, shit, yeah. This is what we do on a almost weekly basis. We wrap things up with the box office results from Malaysia and... Telling the audience, you're the telling me. United States of America. Uh, Keep covering. Uh, <laughs> And at number 10 in Malaysia, we have the next three days. Number nine, The Warrior's Way. Number eight. I have heard some bad Yeah, me too. <laughs> number eight, Aku Tak Bodo. Number seven. What's that mean? Something I'm stupid? not stupid. I'm not stupid. Number seven, Due Date. Uh, I have heard from a friend of ours, Fizzy. Yeah. He said that within the first 10, she spent the whole movie stressed out because she wanted to slap Zach and Alphonacus. <laughs> she literally was clawing her way into the seats because she couldn't handle him anymore. Number six, my Bruce Lee, my brother. Number five, The Social Network. Number four, Lily Popo. <laughs> number three, Harry Potter and the Deathly Harrows. Number two, Nyang Kong. And number one, Rapunzel, Tangletail. Definitely worth seeing that. I really enjoyed it. All right. Number 10 in the US, the next three days. Scary. Number, number nine, nine Way. <laughs> number, number eight, No Wait. <laughs> Faster. And uh, number seven, Jude Date. Number six, Megamind. Uh, that's scary. Jude Eight was the same position in Malaysia as well. Uh, number five, love and other drugs. Uh, because of other podcasts, I get confused. There's one with um, Justin Timberlake and Mila Kunis, and there's another one with someone else about the Friends of Benefits. Yeah, yeah. Going there's on. there's no strings attached with Natalie Portman and um, love and other uh, drugs. A- Aston Aston Kutcher. Oh, and uh, then the other one I think is Friends of Benefits. Yeah, love and other drugs is in that's a, a that's vein, a different though. thing. That's uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Anne Hathaway. It's similar though, right? Uh, it has and that's, it's like friends who hook up something like that yeah uh, number four Unstoppable number three Burlesque number two Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows number one Tangled so Tangled doing well um, definitely worth a watch Tangled and we thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next time thanks